on episode 118 of Pixel Gaiden. Tim goes on a Commodore adventure. We talk about speedruns. What is the greatest joystick ever? Our first three-way battle. Cody and Eric enjoy a Maybach. And discuss an upcoming release for the Neo Geo. ArlaSoft has another Commodore port. Nintendo re-releases an old game. And more Atari Madness. Eric, it is time for turkey to get in my belly. It is. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to it. Well, it is that time year-round where everybody... Not year-round. It is that one time of year worldwide (laughs) where everybody in the entire world celebrates our American tradition of of togetherness and eating birds. I always always forget that it's uniquely uh, American or... North American, I guess. I don't know. But I always forget that because I always say happy Thanksgiving to, to our friends overseas. And That's a very American it. thing to do. That is. It is. And I have to watch myself. <laughs> that is not, not cool. So cool. Uh, and we've had to change the whole concept of Thanksgiving because the whole like pilgrims and uh, you know Native Americans having dinner together. I mean, I guess that did happen, but... It, it did happen. I, I was listening so we're to podcasts on recently. that. Yeah, one that that one little part of uh, that current time in history. Yes. Um, but that being said, it is a time to give thanks, and we have much to give thanks for, Eric. We do, we do. To our patrons and so on. So real quick, um, on this episode of Pixel Guide N, well, this month, episode 118 and episode 119, we're going to go ahead and start with some quick questions, as we always do. After hearing another terrible patron song by yours truly, we'll jump into (laughs) Tea Time with Tim, because Tim's not going to be joining us again this month, unfortunately, but he will be here uh, for Tea Time with Tim. He's going to talk about his recent C64C adventures, whatever that means. I'm looking forward to listening to it, because we don't know what it's about either, but but it's going to be good, I'm, I'm quite sure. It'll be new to all of us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and touch on retro video game and retro-inspired video game news. And then we have a battle of the systems, and we're going to be talking about what topic, Eric? Food. Yes. Food games. Food games. And to be more specific, we're covering the game Diner on the Intellivision. We're covering a game called Food Fight on the Atari 7800. And basically, uh, to, to put it bluntly, we were, were playing the wrong game, so we ha- yes. went ahead and we ended up adding a third game to the mix uh, because yeah. we both ended up playing Food Fight for the Atari 2600 because to be upfront, <laughs> yeah, to be, to be upfront, that's the game Eric selected, but I played the wrong game. So yes, food-related games, six good games Eric and I will talk about next episode, which will come out on the 30th. There is 30 days in this month. I always check myself to make sure it's not February. Uh, we will also start with quick questions. You will hear my patron song again. Uh, we have an Eric's take. 
Eric's take is catching up with the Steam Deck hyphen one year with the Steam Deck hyphen how I love the Steam Deck. No, but that's what it's about. AKA <laughs> exactly the best year of my life. Um, <laughs> There will be a Cody's Corner in which I will continue my series I've been doing. This will be installment number two, where I try all the new Atari Recharged game. This time we're going to talk about Centipede Recharged. Nice. So, I'm, I'm really so. looking forward to this whole uh, this whole series because it isn't. It, I'm intrigued by it. I want them to be good, and I'm, so I'm going to be waiting with bated breath for your review. But it reminds me also of the Amico. Like, when are those games going to ever see the light, if ever? Um, and cause those are kind yeah, of the same, yeah. the same theme, like kind of upgraded in television games. Yeah. But these are actually out. So these are out. Exactly. After that next episode, we are going to catch up on what we've been doing in the world of retro over the last month. And then last but not least, we'll finish that episode up with battle of the systems where we compare not one, Eric, not two, but three games this time. It's well, a three way giggity giggity. <laughs> It, technically, it's like two and a half, two and a half games. But. Exactly, exactly. We'll get what, into that. What are the, are those games food related as well, Eric? Those are games. They are themed on food. Do you, do and, you guys, they, and they and they are. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the games are, I should say. Um, the fruit first one is on the Atari seventy eight hundred. It is Food Fight, the legendary game. Uh, the next one is Diner, which is on in television, and that one is a nice game too. And then we'll have the Atari 2600 game of fast food. Kind of a caveat game, but we'll go into that uh, next episode. So there we go. Full lineup of things to talk about, Eric. I don't know. Anything else we need to touch on before we jump right into quick questions? I think we're ready. Let's do it. I'm not having a turkey this year. That's a big deal. Oh, really? You're not doing the deep fry? No, no. Not this year. We'll actually be in hanging out. Uh, We're doing something completely alternative. We'll be hanging out in Palm Springs. Wow. And uh, it's just going to be my uh, my wife's side of the family, and we're just going to hang out and be together for a week and just enjoying life. So it's going to be, uh, you know, cooking at home, and uh, maybe I'll hop out for for Chinese food or something. No idea, but we'll figure yeah. it out. So You'll have to deep fry that turkey for Christmas. Yep, we do have one. We have one of our turkeys that our girls raised in the freezer upstairs. So there we'll come go. back and, and, and give that a shot. All right. Eric, it's time. For some quick questions. Quick questions! This one is from Tim. He says, from all your time on the show, what is the best game you have discovered because you had to cover it on the show that you never knew about before? See, Tim's already making his presence known on the show. He was like, Exactly. Do you have an answer for this, like, off the top of your head, Eric? Because I've been thinking about it for half an hour. Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, I, I have two choices, and okay. they are not – They, man, it's tough because of the, the limiters on that question, like, that you hadn't heard of before. I might have heard from these before, but I definitely never played them before we did it on the show, and I like both of these a lot. The first one was Power Slave. You um, and Tim really liked that game. I, I mean, do. I loved I li- it, but yeah, I liked the game a lot. I loved it. Um, I think we played it. We played on the Sega Saturn, right? Yep, Sega Saturn, and we played that against the game. Actually, I, I was thinking about mentioning on here, which was Doom sixty four, which I really enjoyed. Which is Doom, but a unique version that only exists on that one system. 
Right. Yep. Yep. And uh, and and there is a version of Power Slave that is on the uh, PlayStation. PlayStation. Too. Yep. Um, so that's the first one. I really like that game. For people that don't know, it's a first-person shooter, um, kind of Egyptian-themed. Uh, well, not kind of. It is Egyptian-themed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one was <clears throat> way back on one of our early shows when the ZX Spectrum was still pretty new to me. We played Chaos. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember was that, that game? Lords of Chaos? Or was that nope. what it's called? It's Chaos. called Chaos. Why don't I remember um, that one? But I do believe I remember hearing about that on the Amigo show because Amigo Aaron's a huge fan of Chaos. Um, but Chaos is a game where you will play as a wizard and you can play against many other computer-controlled or, or other real players, or you can play against computer-controlled wizards and you go around and you can cast these spells and they can be either fake spells or real spells and you can basically summon different things and you battle each other and you basically are trying to be the wizard left standing. Um, I printed out all the, cause it, it came with a pretty good size manual. Um, I remember printing that out and really getting into it for about two months. Um, and with that said, there is the same guy who wrote that game chaos. He has a game on steam now called chaos reborn. Um, and it is a strategy game with updated graphics. I think it's made in Unity, and it basically follows the same kind of um, game elements, but it it's more like a card game. There's like there's cards that you get that show you the percentages of of the of the spells being cast. And the, this game Chaos ha- is has an interesting element to it in that the more the, like there's two types of um, there's there's like good and bad or evil and good. I don't remember what they're called, but are chaotic and neutral or good or whatever. I don't know. But the more you cast those spells, the less per- or the higher the percentage is of them being successful when you cast them. You got to mix it up. Yep. So it's a blast. It's and it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of depth to the game. Um, I think it's really a cool game, and I and I played it first here on the show and really enjoyed it. Gotcha. So, Eric, first and foremost, uh, I yep. found the game you're talking about, and uh, you were so close. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Chaos. Chaos. Um, Ch- chaos. <laughs> I, I found it online here. Chaos. No, Chaos. The Battle of Wizards. And yes. uh, I think, yes, the reason I didn't play I was thinking about games that you and I like played for a battle or something. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I believe you played this. Maybe it was one of your six good games. Yeah, I think so. I never played it, but I do remember you talking about this. And, uh, yeah, it, I can see that being right up my alley. So, cool, cool. Um, so, I, I can't think of a game that I'd have to say, okay, this was the best game that we discovered. Um, Sin and Punishment was up there for me. Yeah. Uh, which is another Nintendo... I've got a lot of Nintendo 64 games for me, actually. Um, I would, If I was going to pick one, and I know I've re- referred to this game a lot, and again, it's it's a game I've discovered. I knew it existed, but I really fell in love with Crash Bandicoot Racing. Yeah, yeah, that so was a good one. That might be up there for me as, as as far as games that I've never touched or played or thought about before kind of a thing. So, there we go. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that game too when we played it. I still I still boot it up every now and then. I moved it to my Mister to test out the PS One core, and uh, yeah, it's really good. Nice. Um, uh, go ahead and read yours. You got another yeah, one. Yeah, sure. Here, why right? not? This one should be a quick one. What are your thoughts about speed runs? Do you appreciate them? Would you ever try and compete at one? 
If so, what game do you think you would be able to do well at? Okay, I'll go in order. My thoughts yeah. about speedruns is uh, everybody, you do you. Yep. Um, do I appreciate them? I can appreciate people putting time and energy into anything they love and creating a challenge for the, themselves and going for it. Yes. Would I ever try and complete, compete at one? Absolutely not. I don't have enough time to play games as they are nonetheless play the same game over and over and over again for a tedious to me (laughs) uh, extra goal but if i was going to pick one and compete at it i would have to say probably mega man 3 because that's the game i've probably played more than any other game that's not some super long thing so and then and then i mean it's one of these things where you it's all about researching and understanding where how you can break the game to make it go quicker and try to do everything like pixel perfect and it's just for me, it's tedium for the point of tedium, especially when you've got tool-assisted speedruns where people just kind of program things in an emulator to watch a computer do it perfectly. Yeah. And at that point, you know, why even... I, I think I could get more into doing that because at that point, you're kind of like trying to perfect the art of breaking the code and trying to figure out how quick you can get it to happen, not worrying about playing it over and over and over again, trying to perfect your timing. Right. I mean, how many times do they get like an hour into it and then realize, oh, shoot, I, I missed that one frame I was trying to hit? I, yeah. I can't. I can't. But Yeah, that's almost like uh, competing and hacking. Like, um, who can hack the game up the most to make it beatable yeah, that would within be, That would minute. be more fun. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be more fun. So maybe tool-assisted speedruns I could get into a little bit if I was in a different situation in my life where I had tons of time. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Um, I like to watch them, especially if they're pretty and interesting and have the things you're talking about in them where they break the game and you watch the glitches and, uh-huh. and you watch the speed runs. There's no, I can barely play games at regular speed. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I would be horrible at it. So there isn't one. And honestly, I can't even think of a game off the top of my head that I would be good enough to beat that would be conducive to a speed run. Uh, I just don't play those kind of games very often, so I, I I don't even have any answer for that last part. But yeah, I I just I don't think like you speedruns really aren't for me. But I did watch a couple recently, and it was pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. All right, all right. And then we have one more question for this episode. This one comes from one of our patrons, Adam at Commodore Chronicles. Um, yes. Quick question: What is the greatest joystick ever? Follow-up question, why is it the Suncom TAC 2? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. I'm going to let you go first, Eric, as he, as Eric literally looks around his room trying to find joysticks to spark his, his yeah, thought process. Well, Tim got me a TAC 2, uh, I think, probably a couple years ago. And I do love it. And I had, I had one when I was a young man. But when I was a young man with the Commodore 64, I... Played track and field? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, our games like it and destroyed joysticks. So I don't think I had it for very long. Um, but having having one back in my life from Tim, I do have to say I love it. It probably is my favorite nine-pin single-button joystick that I own. Um, I, I, I Honestly, I have the the kind of homemade one that I have that I do enjoy. And I, I use that one a lot, yeah. but I, I do think the TAC two is, is probably one of the better commercial ones. Um, I do have one of those epics um, ones that's kind of contoured to your the hand. Speed 
over yeah. here they call it the speed something. I think they call it like the cheetah or something in the UK. Yeah, the speed, I think it's speed, speed king. king or there something. you go. Yep. Um, it's interesting and it does feel good in your hand, but I don't know if it's my favorite. Uh, I do like the micro switches in it. Those feel really nice. Um, yeah. No, but that's it. I mean, I think the TAC 2 probably is my favorite. My biggest issue with most controllers from that era are, like mm-hmm. you said, are kind of what the Speed King tries to fix, which is you can't, unless you put them on a flat surface, I can't, you have to like almost push with both hands opposite ways in the air to get them to go right and left. Yes. Um, I have yet to feel a tattoo in my hands. I've tried to find inexpensive ones and they just keep going up. And so one of these days I'm going to get myself a tattoo because I really do want to try that. It looks like a great stick. Yep. Um, I like the Competition Pro because that was my first joystick. That's more nostalgia, and that was only like eight years ago I got that. But if I was honestly going to answer this question, the greatest joystick ever for me is the 8-bit dough, that new one that you and I both have for the Switch. I mean, that's the greatest joystick ever. I mean, The big one, right? Yeah, the big one that you can do Bluetooth or or 2.5 gigahertz, and it's got six buttons and all kinds of knobs, and it's adjustable, and it's... This big boy? That guy right there. I mean, that's got to be my number one. I love well, that thing. I got to say, I do love it. And I remember when we got this. This is, by the way, for people out there, this is the Click it. Make, make noise stick. it. Arcade yeah. stick. There you go. Ooh, that sounds clicky, but not too hard to push. Not No. In fact, I remember buying this with the thought that, hey, you know, I've read that you can easily modify this. So it's mm-hmm. they, they make it purposefully easy to open, easy to access everything, plenty of room inside. And they're like, hey. You want to throw a new joystick in here? Go ahead. New buttons? Go ahead. They they encourage it. But and so when to. I got it, I was like, I almost was like, hey, I'm going to buy a Sanwa, blah, blah, blah. And then when I started using this, I was like, this is pretty nice as it is. Yeah. No, you don't need to change it, in my opinion. So I was <laughs> like, great. nope. So I never changed it. And I still use this whenever I play arcade games on my Switch or my Mister. It's great on the Mister. Yep. But even for those old joysticks, the biggest thing, again, is that they're not heavy enough where you can press right and left without the whole base moving so i like the bigger Correct. ones like the nes advantage or the i don't know you need big ones uh the neo okay. geo has a great joystick anyways yep there we go answer that question and that is the end of quick questions eric wow i've got one last question for you though oh okay what's new at retro rewind.ca eric that is an excellent question our friends at retro rewind.ca um, have some some interesting new items in that they specialize in the Commodore 64 genre, and they have Jiffy DOS, which, as far as I know, was only available at one or maybe two other places on the internet for a while. But this is officially licensed Jiffy DOS for C16 Plus 4, VIC-20, Commodore 64, the SX-64. Um and these are if the actual ROMs, right? You get the ROM, you replace it right in your hardware, and you've got Jiffy DOS on your uh, for your your OS, right? Correct. And I've over the years, I've I've put a Jiffy DOS in a Commodore sixty four. I put two of them in my Commodore one twenty eight because you can put one on the C sixty four side and one on the Commodore one twenty eight side, so you have okay. Jiffy DOS on both. And then I ran a little switch to the outside of my C one twenty eight, so I could turn them on or off. Um, which is pretty slick, but it, these were always pretty tricky to find or, or, or to purchase or whatever. Now it's, it couldn't be easier. You just go to retro rewind.ca slash pixel guide and Bob's your in. uncle. 
Exactly. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. You have all the Jiffy DOS ROMs that you need. Just go ahead and grab them. Um, it really is. And by the way, if you don't know what Jiffy DOS is, com- all, almost all the Commodore systems were painfully slow trying to load anything. Um, what Jiffy DOS does is it is a disk accelerator, so it will load stuff off a disk much faster, but it also gives you nice, easy DOS wedge commands so that you don't have to type the full commands out to load something. They're just symbols. So you, it, it gives you a lot of shortcuts and it gives you very, very fast disk access. So I highly encourage you. And it's only eight bucks. It's only eight dollars or $16 for the SX64 version. But hey, a lot of us now have a, a few different Commodores, maybe a few different color combinations, things like that. Why not have a version with and a version without Jiffy DOS? Also, uh, fun other things you can get while you're there. You can get the uh, C64 or C128 Wi-Fi modem, get your Commodore computer on the internet. Uh, he's got all kinds of cool stuff there. Diagnostic harnesses. Uh, for your Amiga, you can get OS 3.2. So anything you need for any Commodore computer, we'd love for you to head on down to RetroRewind.ca. We are a uh, very proud to call them a show sponsor. And Eric, I can, I'm going to help you get that Jiffy DOS kernel ROM for not $8, but for $7.20. Because if you use code PG10 at checkout, at RetroRewind.ca, you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's 10% off at RetroRewind.ca using code PG10. That's P as in pixel, G as in guide N, 10. Hey there, it's Tim, and I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting PixelGuiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we've said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com and if you want to reach us directly that's cody eric or tim the best way to get us is through our discord channel on the amigos retro gaming network you can get there by becoming a patron of our show at three dollars or more and we will get you a link to join the fun if you want to reach cody eric or tim directly you can get us on the following platforms you can reach cody on twitter or x and that's at oddball 49 that's o ddba1149 eric is also on twitter and on mastodon and you can get eric on twitter at the project that's d-u-h-p-r-o-j-e-c-t and at mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space and tim is on mastodon at sanction that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n at oldbytes.space If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review and also for any of the other podcast catches that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. The absent-minded Dave Modelac Intelligible Got hard low, stealing 
Welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. Sorry for my short absence last month, but I'm back now. 
So let's get on with this month's episode. There's been a lot going on this month. So this time on Tea Time with Tim, I'm just going to do something relatively off the cuff and talk about a few things that I managed to pick up this month, um, even with everything else that's been going on. Uh, with kind of my uh, family side of things. Um, I've still been kind of keeping an eye out for the bargains out there on eBay. Um, And this month, I think I struck on something that I've been looking for for a little while. So let's go ahead and talk about it. So just to be upfront, this month I've not uh, scripted any of this, so it's going to be a bit more off the cuff. Um, So there may be some umming and ahhing, so I do apologise for that upfront. As I'm sure we all do, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a collector of some description of all things retro. Uh, We uh, tend to troll through eBay uh, looking for things that interest us and uh, always on the lookout for bargains. Now, my particular weakness, if you possibly don't know already, is Commodore 64 and essentially disk stuff. So disk software, disk games. That's my main thing that I really collect for nowadays. Um, I've kind of like hit most of the marks on most things, but this is a constant that kind of seems to go through my collection um, interest. I'm always looking for uh, Commodore 64 disk games. The other thing that I like looking for is actually some of the physical hardware. So um, like the Commodore Drive, so like the 1541, um, the 1571 and the one that Eric sent through to me, which is kind of like the Holy Grail. And one that I actually had in the past, back in the day, very, very briefly, and that's the 1581. So most of the Commodore drives are actually, um, the boxes are ticked on those as they were. I've got got pretty much all those drives, so I'm quite happy with that. Uh, But there's one particular drive that came out, which was a third-party drive. Now, this was a disk drive made by a company called Oceanic. It's essentially um, a 1541 clone uh, but it's much slimmer much smaller um, and it's quite a nice form factor uh, it's not as big as bulky as the 1541 um, apparently these were also um, you know a little bit faster on the motor and ran a bit faster but maybe not quite as compatible right so now you know i was i've been looking out for one of these drives for a while trying to find one at a good price So while looking on eBay uh, one day, um, I found an advert um, that just said um, essentially Commodore C64C and other items. Um, And the main picture uh, had a everything sort of like spread out on a big table. Um, So it had the Commodore 64 at the top left hand side with the power supply, a bunch of tapes, uh, but they weren't original tapes. They were all sort of like a you know, C15 tapes, so short tapes with quite often sort of like all junky, crappy um, games recorded on them and that sort of stuff, pirate tapes, essentially. Um, But there was a few box games there um, that were actually on disc that piqued my interest. Uh, But the one thing that really did pique my interest was two things. First of all, there was an Oceanic Drive there, 
Um, and it actually, I could see in the picture, there was a power supply for it as well, because they use a different power supply. Unlike the 1541, to make it slimmer, they don't have the power supplies built in. Whereas with the 1541, you've got the PSU built into the unit. That's what makes it bigger and bulkier. But you can connect up one of the normal sort of like, stuff, as we call them over here, kettle leads or IEC power, power leads, I think they are. You can connect that straight into the 1541, whereas the oceanic drive, like I say, is the drive and a separate power supply. So that's it, that was there with it as well. Um, the C64C itself looked really grotty, but um, I don't know if you uh, know the C64C. That is the sort of like the, the lighter coloured one, which is the second revision of the Commodore 64, as it were, in the sleeker looking case. Now, there were two... Um, original revisions of that or there, there are variants but the main difference was was i think the early versions of the c64 uh, c had a keyboard which was the white colored keyboard but it was the same keycaps on the keys as the commodore 64 and I've been looking out for one of these for a while. Now, I have a couple of these actual keyboards from computers that I've got dotted around, but they suffer from a common thing, which is like most retro stuff. They all suffer from yellowing. But the problem is, is they don't yellow evenly. Some of them have got sort of like slightly whiter keys and some can have... Um, yellowed keys and they all yellow at different peaks so i'm guessing they're different batches of keys and they've just been thrown all together um, and when they were new didn't really make any difference but i've got two of these keyboards and they're affected with the same thing now what again drew me to this lot was whilst the commodore 64c itself looked really ratty the keyboard didn't have any of the yellowing so i'm thinking right okay well that's good to start off with i really want a good keyboard set a good keycap set um, even if the keyboard itself doesn't work or whatever it doesn't really matter i can you know have those key sets or whatever and, and get a, a nice unit set up so this one was ticking a few boxes already so we had the oceanic drive we had the commodore 64c with the different style keycaps and there was a bunch of games and bits and pieces with it now this is located this was located in locally to me in a place called Taunton which is a city in Somerset in England now there's also um a company uh, that produced games that was from uh, Taunton in Somerset and this is a company called Jurel Software um and you may know them um more famously i think for the spectrum software um that they created uh so games like uh lotus esprit and also saboteur which is probably their biggest hit and then sort of like earlier games like harrier attack and scuba dive you may or may not know those ones anyway so the commodore 64 curiously had two versions of um the disc games um and that was saboteur 2 and a game called deep strike now my mind was kind of like wondering about this and thinking well this seems a bit odd to have two Jurel games on disc and i i don't ever really remember seeing those games on disc very much myself i don't think they sold very well on disc but because they didn't sell very well at all anyway but normally if they were going to have them they were going to be cheaper games um, so I was just wondering whether maybe this Commodore 64 had a bit of history because it's from Taunton where Jarrell Software is um, and uh, it had two disc games with it 
So anyway, I ended up uh, winning the auction. Um, I paid the princely sum of about £140 for it, which um, considering there's some nice disc software with them, with it, uh, disc uh disk drive and the c64 with the sort of like the rarer style keyboard um i thought that was a pretty good price so uh got in the car danica and i popped over to the place um which was actually some kind of like retro restoring place um and they do all sorts of different things and they just had this and a c64 bread bin um that they also sold in a separate auction but i didn't i didn't buy that because i've got loads of bread bins i'm not worried about that um so yeah so i picked this one up um and let's let's just go quickly um although i just sort of like went through roughly what's there let's just go quickly now through and um see what was actually in the in the boxes so first up we've got the commodore 64c itself so like i say it's got the uh the the bread bin style keyboard but with white keycaps um so it's got the the colors on the uh, sort of like the uh, sides of the keys um, rather than on the actual uh, other keys themselves um, it's very distinctive if you if you know the difference between um, the uh, c64 and the c64c you know that the keyboards do look a bit different um, this one's got quite a bit of weight to it so i think i've i've not even opened this one up yet i know it does work um, but I've, I think this could be what we call like a, one of the bigger earlier revision boards inside the C64C. So I don't think it's one of the slimline boards, uh, but time will tell. It's probably also got a fair bit of um, uh, uh, shielding on there. I think that's probably also what's making it quite heavy. So the next thing up is the Oceanic Drive. So this is sort of like the whitish colour. Um, although like most things it's it's aged not particularly well it's it's quite yellowed on the on the plastics on the front um, it's got a a nice sturdy metal case it's got all the feet on the bottom um, and it's got uh, as you would expect the two IEC ports on the back it's got a five pinned in uh, power socket and it's got a quite a chunky on off switch um, so Interestingly enough, this one, um, the Oceanic version, I think is uh, German from where it was shipped. And then uh, I think a company called Evesham Micros over here in the UK um, kind of like rebadged this drive um, as the Accelerator Plus or in enhancer plus or something like that i think it was um and they sold they resold these exact same drives over here in the uk with an english manual with some Asian branding and on all, all that sort of stuff now the next bit of hardware that comes in the box is this absolutely hideous quickshot controller and no it's not the quickshot 2 or the quickshot 2 turbo that's hideous but this is even worse how can you get worse, you ask? Well, OK, uh, if you uh, are not familiar with the Quickshot range of products, just go out and do a Google for Quickshot 7. That's V11. Um, and it is the best way to describe it is take one of the worst controllers out there, which is the Intellivision controller. So the little uh, pad controller um, and put that at the bottom and then put two 
fire buttons either side on a on an angled beveled corner um, each side and you get this horrible quick shot controller for the it's not a joystick or it's not a joy pad or anything like that. it's just a controller and it's absolutely awful um, and i seem to have about four or five of these and now i've got six Right, so let's go through a couple of these games. So first up, like I mentioned before, this is the disc version of Deep Strike. Now, Deep Strike was produced, like I say, by uh, Jarrell Software. Um, and this one, I think, was around about... I'm going to hazard a guess this was probably about 80, 85, 86, something along those lines. So we've got Deep Strike... Um, and we've got another copy of Deep Strike. There's actually two copies of Deep Strike with it. Um, and we've also got Saboteur 2 Avenging Angel. Um, so again, this is uh, another Jarrell software. And obviously this is the following up, follow up to the infamous Saboteur game on the ZX Spectrum and also came out on the other platforms. But best version was definitely on the Speccy. Um, so this is a 1987 game. Uh, oh, actually, yep, there we go. They're both 1987. So there we go. I was one year out. Uh, next up is a game by Firebird. They released a game called Revs, uh, which was originally released on the BBC Micro by Acornsoft. Firebird licensed it from, I believe, from Acornsoft or maybe directly from, uh, was this, it was Jeff Crammond, I think, wasn't it, this one? Um so they licensed it direct and then they ported it to the other formats. So uh, Acornsoft obviously did just the BBC version and then Firebird released it for um, other formats, including the Commodore 64. And this is the disc version. Now, next up, this one was quite a surprise because I didn't actually see this pictured in the advert on eBay um, on the auction listing um, and when I picked it up it was buried deep in the box so when I got it back and eventually after a few days I managed to start picking through some of the software um, I found this and it's a copy of Ultima 4 the quest for the avatar and again obviously with with it being Ultima you wouldn't want this on anything other than disc <laughs> Um, so this one isn't in sort of like the more traditional cardboard style boxes uh, that I've got um, two of the other Ultima games I think here in my collection and they both come in sort of like cardboard style boxes but this is in a what we call a big plastic clamshell type case and it's quite clicky when you open it up um, this one's got uh, the history of Britannica as told by the young the I was told by Kyle the Younger. Um, so this is kind of like a little mini novel. Um, that, so uh, backstory and uh, a book about um, the political history and all that sort of stuff about the game. So um, all of, all the kind of like the lore of the game. Um, then we've actually got a player reference card and we've got a nice map. Now, this isn't a cloth map. Um, it is textured. Um, but one of my other Ultimas has definitely got a cloth map in it. Um, but anyway, this is really nice. It's got all the original discs and everything like that. And this one, I think, is actually worth probably almost the same amount as of what I paid for the Commodore 64 entirely. Um, so that was nice to have that included. Um, then I've got an art program. So I've got two art programs here with the C6, this particular one. So this one is the image system by CRL, which is quite a nice paint program. 
And again, I think the image system used to be used for people doing graphics back in the day for games. Um, next box I've got is a thing which is very pretty and all that sort of stuff, and it's Daytel Utilities. Now, this is actually two utility discs. Uh, which I found in the big pile of discs that it comes with. And one of them is an action, replays, action replay utility disc um, and an enhancement disc and a slideshow. So, yeah, that was, uh, what was that, Ultima and the uh, Daytel pack. Next up is something that I've never really used too much on the Commodore 64 or even the Commodore 128, um, and that's the operating system, uh, GEOS. This is actually original copy of GEOS, the Graphic Environment Operating System. This is version 2 by Berkeley Software. Sorry, Berkeley Softworks. Um, and it says on the box, this is for Commodore 64, C64, C and Commodore 128 computers. So this is all the original discs. It was somewhat beat up. Um, the uh, sort of like the outer car cardboard cover for it was all sort of like ripped and torn. I've kind of done the best I can with a bit of um, sellotape or sticky tape uh, to try and sort of like mend everything up together and just give it a bit of rigidity back. But I think it's missing the top cardboard um, part of the box so it's kind of a bit exposed but um i've done i've done my best with trying to restore that one and that's that's a nice one to have in the collection um even though kind of utilities for c64 and things like that but they don't fetch an awful lot of money but geos i think that's quite a nice one actually to have so now on to the two kind of like the main ones, um, as Cody and Eric for say, the reason for the season, um, the reason why, one of the reasons why I bought this um, was I saw that these two games were included with it. So I knew whatever happens, if I sold these two, I, everything else was just doesn't matter. I was going to get my money back on these. So the first up is Elite. Um on the Commodore 64. Now, whilst the Commodore 64 version isn't the best version out there, it's not actually too bad, considering the C64 can't really do wireframe graphics that well. Um, this is actually quite a good version. And what surprised me is that I don't remember many versions of Elite, if any, other than the Commodore 64, actually had music on the title screen when you load it up. Um, when the little Cobra ship is spinning around and it says Elite and all that sort of stuff, there's a little tune playing on this one. is fully complete this one um, so it's got the ship identification chart it's got the control key guide and the infamous uh, novella that comes with it the dark wheel that's all there it's also got the space traders uh, space traders flight training manual that's a mouthful isn't it um, and the disc itself and it's all in very good condition i've got another copy of elite um, on disc that i think i paid maybe about 60 70 pounds for about two three years ago um and i thought that was a bargain uh at the time 
<clears throat> but that one isn't complete as this one. So this one's going to go into my collection um, and I will probably sell on the other copy of Elite um, to get some money back. Uh, so that's nice. Last but no means least, uh, Ball Blazer by Activision. I won't bore you with my ver- version of explaining the game, but it's it's a really great game on the Commodore 64. And again, this is the disc version. It's another one that's in a clamshell, so it's like a big plastic box. And to cap it off, there were two um, compilations. So what I mean by compilations, it's um, a bunch of games all put together in one box and sold for a bargain price. Um, So this one is actually called uh, Wheels of Fire, and this was released by Domark. And funnily enough, it's got um, some of the Domark release games on there and some Ocean release games. So we've got Outrun Turbo. Now that is actually a very good version. That's a very good game, Outrun Turbo, on the Commodore 64. Don't play the original Outrun. If you want an Outrun on the Commodore 64, play Outrun Turbo. It's half decent. Uh, Chase HQ, mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, Hard Driving, again, not for the Commodore 64 because it's a wireframe, sort of like line-drawn, vector-based game. No good on the Commodore 64. And Power Drift. Now, Power Drift is very, very good on the Commodore 64. Um, but take my advice don't load it from tape load it load it from disc um, and you'll have fun with power drift on the commodore 64 it's actually a pretty good version so that one uh, was sold i don't believe it was actually sold for this as full price uh, but the someone who bought this one paid four pounds 99 pence that's a bargain Um, the next one is a release from uh, commodore now This has got a bunch of ocean games. I think this was a pack-in title with the Commodore 64C in the Olympic pack, I think it was, which probably tied in with the 1990 Olympics in Barcelona. Uh, from roughly from memory Uh, but this one's has got some sport games on it so we've got daily thompson's decathlon which on the commodore 64 is really nice Uh, world series baseball we've got match point which is a tennis game spectrum version is better than the c64 version Um, match day two which is a football or soccer game track and field we all know and love track and field great game joystick breaker barry mcguigan's world championship boxing another game we've covered on the podcast i think we did the spectrum version um basket master which i must admit i've never played but i think that stinks big time so we've avoided that one snooker okay that's pretty generic it doesn't even look a very good version and then there's daily thompson super test which was the follow-up to decathlon and the ever immortal hyper sports on the commodore 64 if you've not loaded that one up on the commodore 64 do it just for the music and in fact that's a good excuse to end this episode of tea time with tim so join me again next month i'll be back talking about something else probably something scripted but anyway that's it for this month for the commodore 64 pickup and we're gonna bring out this episode with the wonderful music from hypersports on the commodore 64 until next time thanks everyone
we hope you enjoyed Tea Time with Tim. Twim? Tim. Twim. And now Eric and I are back here to drink the beer. Oh, my favorite part of the show. It was like, Ooh. Oh, Tim keeps popping up. He does. So Eric, you brought this beer for us. We're both drinking the same one again. We're continuing that tradition like old times. And it's a quite large bottle, but what do we got here? We have a Primator Maybach, which is 7.2% alcohol in a giant bottle. That's all good news. <laughs> um, it, this is a pretty good-sized bottle, one pint, 0.9 fluid ounces. 500 milliliters for those who know what that means. Exactly. I don't know what that means, but uh, I don't think I've ever had this one before. Um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm eager to try it out. I don't. Other than that, it says nothing else about it, so I don't even know. I mean, I know my box and box Shiner is a box. Baka baka baka. Baka baka baka. It's also got a California cash refund, so that's good to know. That is good to know, Eric. Let's. Yep. Crack it. We don't get to do all that many. Um, I don't want to break this thing. What am I doing here? All that many beers in bottles anymore. No, we don't. In fact, of all the other beers I have in my cooler here next to Recording Station Alpha. So I will tell you right off the nose here. I know we haven't cheered or tasted, but off the nose, it yeah. smells very European. It's got that. Yes, it does. It's got, Yeasty. And it's a, it does say Czech Craft Brewery here. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got a little bit of that Heineken skunk going on. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But let's yep. find out, Eric, by saying cheers, my friend. Cheers. You're drinking that bad boy out of the bottle like I it's always a do. Actually, yeah, I, I went and bought a second one, and I'm duct taping these in my hands, and I'm doing Edward Forty hands. <laughs> I can't, I can't use my hands until I drink both beers. Nice. Um. All right, I took a little sip there. It's actually. Yep. It's actually much uh, fuller bodied and darker than the the note on the nose would lead you to believe. Yes. It's definitely uh, matches. To me, it, it smells a little yeasty, and it definitely has a little bit of the yeast tang to it. It's, it's bitter. It is bitter. It's bitter. It does have a very bitter. That's it's unlike like what I'm comparing it to is Shiner, which is a Czech Bach as well. Oh, it's China. Um, but, yeah, I mean, made, made in Texas, of course. But um, it this one definitely doesn't have the kind of caramel overtones. Um, would, and it, but it's pretty smooth. It's a little bitter, but it's pretty smooth. I would say it's malty, but it's yeah. To, to me, it kind of that gets overridden by the the bitter. Yeah. Does it say IPUs on here? Imperial uh, bitter units. Yeah. Let's take a look at that. Let's see if it says on here. Usually they do. I would assume it's fairly high. Well, it doesn't. I mean, say it is seven point two percent alcohol, so maybe a lot of that is just us drinking straight malt liquor in here. I think you're probably right. Okay. <laughs> straight malt liquor. <laughs> malt liquor. Premator Maybach. Yep. All right. Well, while we uh, enjoy the mouthfeel and pontificate on the flavors that dance on our tongue, what will be our rating system for the month? of november month of november is the time of fall of leaves hitting the ground of our carved pumpkins rotting and melting and being covered with flies and our non-cut pumpkins beautiful 
Still exactly. sitting on our porch. Our, ours are non-cut this year because it was so hot when we bought them. Yeah. We knew because we bought these in October <laughs> and it was, um, do you remember? It was like 85, 90 degrees it was, in October. Yeah. It started really warm and then ended up more fall-like. Yep. So we went to a pumpkin patch, bought a bunch of pumpkins. And we were like, no, we're not going to cut them because they will be completely destroyed by Halloween. So they're just sitting uncut there you on go. the porch. All right, so out of, uh, I'm pretty sure if I had to clean up my yard right now, I'd I'd have roughly one ton of leaves. So out of one, one. ton of dead leaves, which is 2,000 pounds. Let's say 2,000 pounds. 2,000 pounds of dead leaves. What are you giving this one? Kind of tastes like dead leaves a little bit. Get a little, um, little of that, a little of a, what do you call that? Degradation, a little... Uh, decomposition in there <laughs> a little decomp <laughs> um i'm gonna give this a 1350 okay uh, oh you know i don't know you know what i'm gonna give this a 14 are you gonna get a little higher okay i was gonna go a little lower than that i'll give it a 12 bitty 12 bitty it's I, funny. I actually like it i don't dislike it yeah i think if the bitter wasn't there i'd like it more or if it was just less bitter, I think it's not necessarily balanced. Um, you might, you know, you might be on to something. It's almost, it's almost like drinking two one-sided beers at the same time. There's this malty caramel note underneath it that I like, and then there's mm-hmm. this sharp bitter on top of it, which I don't particularly like. And those are the two notes I'm getting. And I, I bet you're right. I think it's the alcohol. The high alcohol is probably giving it that kind of bitter alcoholy taste on top. Blame it on the alcohol. That's the song. Is it? That's where the kiddos listen to, Eric. I think <laughs> was that Taylor Swift? That, that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's T-Swift in her, <laughs> in her country years. <laughs> T-Swizzle. Exactly. Oh, boy. Hey, Eric. I think it's time for mm-hmm. us to go ahead, dig into some news. Our first news item, Cody. Yes, I do. This one comes uh, by way of timeextension.com, which has kind of become my number one place for for a lot yep. of retro news. Uh, just to be full full dis, uh, disclosure, I primarily look at timeextension.com. I look at Retro Dodo, but before I look anywhere else, I love indie retro news. Yes. I also love Retro Gamer Nation, specifically for anything Commodore 64 related, especially new stuff. Um, so anyways, that's kind of where I start my search, but, uh, this particular one comes from time extension and it is an announcement we've all been kind of waiting for. And according to them, it's official. We're getting a full size Amiga console in 2024, Eric. I heard about this on a couple of other podcasts that are, that are going around. I think it was based on a conversation they had with the guy who runs retro games limited um, he said that if it's uh, if it's feasible, it will come out. And they 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 made this product roadmap, and I did see a full size Amiga. Now, what hasn't been yes yet is what it's going to be. It's not going to be the A five hundred because that's too big of a. Oh really? Okay, I didn't hear that part of it. Yeah, the A five hundred, the real one, is way too big to try to. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're talking about, yeah, like a full size. I got gotcha. you. 
It's I, not going to do that. So it could be like an A600. It could be a miniature. Like a smaller 1200. Yeah. But what's interesting is on their roadmap, and I heard this on another podcast too, is they do say um, there's going to be a full-size Amiga console. Yeah, so let me let me read this out too, because this yeah. is they have a little roadmap here. Like you said, ca- they call it phase two. And it says yeah. more releases will be added. Timelines could accelerate. They don't say they could be slowed down, by the way, even though that's right. what everyone expects. Um, great news. And here's what I get really excited about, because we both pretty much felt like the full-size Amiga would come out. Like, this mm-hmm. wouldn't be... I mean, no. I would have been disappointed if it didn't happen. Right. Uh, and I'm glad it will. Uh, especially now that we have our full-size C64s, which took a little extra doing. But their road wraps, roadmap shows what they've already done, right? The C64 Mini in 2018, followed by the C64 full-size in 2019, yep. which we received four years later. Uh, VVIC 20, which I wish I had, even though it's just I, a palette swap, but... That's the one I wanted, yeah. Yeah, 2020. Uh, the A500 Mini, which we have uh, from 2022. Yep. And then, now listen to this moving forward. This is where I get really excited because that Amiga's in here, yes, but there's other things that they hint at in here, too. In Q4 2023, that's this year, major product update. I don't know what that means, but there's going to be a yeah. major product update. In, so are they going to update, you think they're going to update one of their existing ones? I don't know. Maybe they'll have the VIC-20 re-release? I don't know. Okay. In Q1 2024, a new mini console launched. Yep. I don't know what and that I've heard, is. I've heard rumors that it could be the mini Atari 800. Okay. I mean, that would be very cool. So they, so that would be because they've up to now they've done all Commodore stuff, right? Yes. But he, I mean, they, they kind of ran out of Commodore stuff. I don't think they're going to do a C128. I don't think they're going to do a here's the plus four. Although exactly. I, I would buy it. <laughs> Here's an Amiga CD TV. Um, I, 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 I read somewhere that they are definitely going to branch out and start getting some other things beyond Commodore. So I have a feeling it'd be the Atari 800 people have thrown out like Apple and stuff, but I can't see, I, I, I think it's going to be the Atari 800. That's well, especially that, that's because this, this comp, well, let's also keep in mind this retro games company is a British company. Correct. So I doubt the Atari, the 800 wasn't big over there. No, it wasn't. So I, I, you know, without hearing other things, I could see it being like a Spectrum. A Spectrum would be awesome, but I, I don't know if... I know there's other companies that have the licenses for that. There's going to be a big licensing May, juggling maybe it's a here. Maybe it's an Amstrad. Ooh. That could that be cool. Be, uh, that would be awesome. Or an MSX. Ooh. Ooh, MSX. Like the, the Toshiba-looking one that was bigger in, yeah. uh, in Europe? Yeah. Right. MSX Mini would be dope. <laughs> we're, we're past news. Now this is just Cody and, and Eric dream about possibilities in the future. <laughs> exactly. In quarter three, 2024, a new accessory launched. Excited hmm. to find out what that accessory might be. Uh, Q4, 2024, new full-sized Amiga console launched. So obviously that would be playing off of the uh, mini console. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. I'm sorry. Yeah, the mini A500 mini, but won't be a 500. Q1, new full-size console launched. So whatever came out in Q1 2024, in theory, would follow their their schedule of a year later releasing a full-size version. Is yeah. where my mind would instantly go. Yep. And then, Eric, we're not done yet because Q3 2025, another new full-size console launched. 
So yeah, so two completely new. That, that it's pretty amazing they can or, stick to this timeline. Yeah. Well, and, there, and first of all, it's important noticing that they call the Amiga new full-size Amiga console launched. I mean, I'd call it a computer. Yeah. A console would be a console, but regardless. So these could be computers. Yeah. Maybe they will do something a little different. Maybe they're going to uh, come out with the, I don't know, Amstrad GX, what is it, 100, 400? What is that thing called? I think it's GX 1000. GX 1 million. Exactly. Hard-hitting news here, guys. We don't know what we're talking about. But in Q3 2024, I hope to be able to play those things on in my flying car. Yeah, absolutely. Powered by hydrogen. Exactly. Uh, Eric, we were, both, we were both half right. The Amstrad GX <laughs> 4000. So I got the four, you got the thousand. We put it together. We make there one smart person. Anyways, that is very exciting, cool news. Love it. That is, I, I I applaud them, and I love the the C sixty four full size one we got. I've been toying with that, and I love it. It's been fantastic. So I'm looking forward to it. The key the keyboard on that feels so good. I can't wait to see what they do with the Amiga if if that's indeed what it is. Absolutely. Uh, you be Tim. I will be Tim. New port of Burger Time for C sixty four. Ooh, food so themed. That dovetails right into Pixel Guide and lore. <laughs> um, faithful port of the arcade version comes to the C64 via Ardlasoft, who is known for that. On itch.io, this port is free to download, but as always, please donate a few bucks to keep the cool ports and original games flowing. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, but this is a very, very nice version of Burger Time for the C64. Did you play it? I haven't downloaded this yet, okay. but it looks great. It does look great. Uh, what's what's interesting? I know we've talked about it before on the on the show. Yes, it looks great. Uh, what's interesting about Burger Time though is the gameplay. I'm, mm-hmm. I think it must be a very hard game to to get the logic down for and timing or whatever, because there's versions of of Burger Time, including the actual arcade version, that to me are kind of so difficult. They're not a lot of fun. Right, and it is, it's not an easy game. There's certain ports where I feel like uh, it's perfect because. You know, after spending an hour on the arcade game, I could kind of sometimes get to, like, level three. Yeah. But some of the home ports, you can get to, like, seven or eight. And I feel like that's about how far you should be able to get into after putting some some time into a game. I but agree. Anyways, we'll see how this one goes. We'll see if it's more arcade or more like some of the uh, uh, more playable ports, in my opinion. I agree. And I, I have heard that he... Um it released, and then there was another release that fixed a couple of problems. I, th- I think this was the game, if I remember right. Um, yeah, yep. Uh, it's one point oh two. So you know he he's he's definitely doing his job and trying to make this the very best port that he can. And in the past, he's done some amazing arcade ports to the Commodore sixty four. So this is always welcome. Yep, yep. I'm not a huge port guy, but. Um... Yeah, you definitely. I don't think Burger Time ever hit the Commodore 64, did it? Or was not, it just a not, kind of not, a not, not, not a good version? Not an official version. It was always like the, you know, crappy, <laughs> I don't want to say crappy, chef. but Play yeah, my exactly. game Burger Chef. Something like that. And usually yeah. not very good, but I, I don't really know specifically about Burger Time, but that's the way a lot of ports went on the C64. So from the C64 to the Spectrum, Eric. That's right. And this game, I fully admit, I have not downloaded yet but i am going to i just simply ran out of time this month while playing games 
Um, this is a 120 a ZX Spectrum 128K game called Chispy. Chispy. Um, it is on itch.io. It is a platforming game, and I did watch some videos of this, and it looks awesome. I mean, this looks like a very well done um, platformer on the 128K. It has excellent music. Um, I am looking forward to playing this one. Very colorful. Um, man, I, I want to see the graphics because I, I, I remember there was like a little... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to watch this video, that, but the video I clicked on has no, it's like an advertisement with very little to do with the gameplay. Oh, here we go. Now we've got... Yeah, it's like... Well, <laughs> yeah, there's no gameplay on this particular video, so that was a bad example. Okay. Anyways, well, you can see some screens there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the platforms are kind of yellow. You're running around what? I think that's a mouse? Pirate ship. Yeah, I think you're a mouse. You're a dog. That's a dog, right? Oh, that's a dog. Yeah, yeah. A little uh, dog. Terrier. And you're on a ship, and it shows you different, like, I think it's flick screen, and it shows you different parts of the ship, and it's basically there are enemies flying around, and you have to avoid them. Um, It it is, I think, and does that look like it's Spanish? Yeah, everything is in Spanish here, but you can get an English instruction game for an English version. Please download the English files. So there you go. Yep. So anyway... It'll, the the links are in the show notes to check this out, but uh, ZX Spectrum games are always welcome. I think this one looks really cool, and 128K games are always pretty impressive, especially with the sound. Gotcha. You know, I'm going to move this one further down, so let me just copy that and paste it down below, because I think that relates more to something we're going to talk about later. So, Excellent. sorry about that. Let me just do That's this. That's alright. It'll make for a better show, everyone promise. Alright. That being said, I still have something else to talk about here, and it's a quick Evercade update for those uh, who, like Eric and I, love us some Evercade. Um, there's some releases happening this month, so it's good to know. We've, it's nothing new, nothing we haven't talked about, but uh, the two kind of combination cards that are some of my favorites, I love the new game was released on the Evercade, are coming out this month. So um, it's funny because they kind of mix things up, right? Um, there was games that you had to pre- I pre-ordered like a few months ago that are just now being released this month, I think on the 17th, but um, oh, on the 28th. But also now you can go ahead and pre-order the dual cart releases for Good Boy Galaxy and Witch and Liz, as well as the dual cart Demons of Astaberg and Astabros, um, and they will all still ship the same date as the, the other cards I already ordered from two months ago on November 28th, so... In time for Christmas, it's also going to be the same day that both of the Duke Nukem collections go on sale. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, I'm I'm fully expecting to get my. Here's the ones I ordered earlier: Full Void, as well as Home Computer Heroes, which is Collection One, which is the uh, Commodore 64 kind of modern retro games that were released in the last few years, collected onto one cart and put on the Evercade. So, November's going to be a big Evercade month for me. That's fantastic. These look really good, too. The Astaborg, I remember getting that. I think Demons of Astaborg was on the Genesis, if I remember right. Yep, those are both Genesis games. Yep, and uh, I remember just, I bought that game, put it on my EverDrive, and played it on my real Genesis, and it was awesome. The game looks so slick. Yeah, and and I don't think I ever did buy that game. Um, I did want to, but... Now I can buy a physical copy with a little manual and everything, so I want to do that. And then Good Boy Galaxy is this really cool uh, game that was actually a Game Boy Advance game released recently. 
really? Actually, I don't think I've it's even. It. I don't think it's even come out on the advance yet. I think it's going to come out on the Evercade before it comes out officially for the advance on a cartridge. Oh, wow. But you're this little astronaut dog. Cool little puzzle platformer, I believe. But so there we go. Oh, also uh, for those who are interested, there uh, Blaze, who makes the Evercade, is also releasing their new uh, Super Pocket series of handheld handhelds uh, by way of its other line that it, com- it created, the other company it created called Hyper Megatech. So if you remember those, they had there's a Taito version and a Capcom version, yep, and they're um, colorful. They're they're colored like Capcom's blue one. Yep. Uh, yep. Which I still think is weird that they created a new company because these are devices that are handhelds that play Evercade games, which is just, I mean, it's another Evercade. I don't understand why they made, anyways. But cool products nonetheless. So Hyper Megatech, check that out. Uh, Tim. <laughs> yep, so here's one from Tim. For all of you, Sam Coupe. Is it, it's Coupe, right? Sure, Can let's go with fall? Sam Coupe. Sam Coupe owners out there, Colin from Sam, samcoupe.com, uh, who is at Quasar Sam Coupe on Twitter. I'll never say X. <laughs> Has version 1.2 of the Trinity Ethernet interface, now available for the Sam Coupe, offering double the speed of SD card mass storage compared to earlier versions. You can also get an upgrade to your existing Trinity ROM from Colin if you email direct by going to his website. Colin also has new releases of original Sam games that he holds the licenses for and publishing new physical versions for you to add to your Sam collection. And that'll be at www.samcoupe.com slash hardtrin.htm. <laughs> yes, I'm looking at it right now. So for the three of you out there who have a Sam Coupe. Exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm joking with you. I, I like to think that Tim's uh, coverage of the Sam Coupe about a year ago when he talked yeah. about all the things he did to mod it up to the wazoo and get all these accessories, I think we sold some Sam Coupes that month, Eric. I think we did. I honestly did. I remember the discussion was um, was, was sparked up on Twitter back when he released that video, and a lot of people were asking him questions. A lot of people in the Discord were talking about it. Uh, and I, I think, uh, it, seriously, I think it did spark some interest uh, in the Sam Coupe, and I'd love to have one, but I know they are... Pretty rare and pretty hard to find. So if you are, are interested in a Sam Coupe or learning about what it is or how to get one working in this modern age, you can always go back to our back catalog. I don't know what episode it was. Or, and I'd suggest this, go on YouTube and look up Pixel Guide in Sam Coupe and you'll find the video version Tim did, which is excellent, and, um, and take a look. But yeah, this cartridge looks like a, a great solution moving forward if you want to put games and Ethernet TCP uh, abilities and add that to your Sam Coupe. It looks like it's eighty dollar, or I'm sorry, eighty pounds um, plus postage. So not a bad price for a for a no SD card nowadays. Not at all. Hey, maybe that's one of the Retro li- Games Limited minis coming out. Oh, there we go, Sam, Sam Coupe. Coupe mini. I like it. So my next one here is a video that I watched of um, a guy installing Dude. crystal clear hdmi for the commodore 64 in 60 seconds 60 seconds eric so i you know it'll probably take you longer to explain that than it is for me to watch it so let's see if uh if who can win if i press play on this <laughs> exactly we're all winners here um it's from a youtube channel called retro hack shack and he talks about taking he in in the video he uses i believe a c64c and he does use other um, components. You do have to buy 
I think these two other components, but he takes apart this and basically installs crystal clear HDMI in 60 seconds. So if he can do it in 60 seconds, you could probably do it in three minutes, half hour or hour or whatever. Um, but it does use a couple of parts. I don't remember exactly what those parts are. I think they're in the description on the YouTube channel. Um, and I do think there's a, a, um, a, um, a P, um, a retro, uh, what do you, what is it called? Retro, not a retro pie. Um, why am I blanking out on this? A uh, Raspberry, Raspberry Pi. Pi Zero. Yeah, Raspberry Pi Zero is part of this too. But um, boom, Bob goes your uncle. Ready to go. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Yeah, it looks like he has a few little boards here in, uh, in the video. He takes longer to explain all the pieces than he does to build it. But um, yep. hey, for what it's worth, the 60 seconds also includes removing the um, that uh, that was interference, the electrical interference shield that most of us don't even have in our Commodores anymore. The so. RF shield, which I will say on the Commodore 64 was screwed in, so it was very easy to remove. But, man, I, I was just doing um, an Intellivision repair, and it's soldered in. I hate it when they're soldered in. Yeah. Oh, they are so hard to remove. Luckily, the C64 doesn't have that. Cool. So if you want to there H- goes. HDMI or your Commodore 64, I love it. Yep, link in the show notes, as link they say. Link in the show notes. Oh, and look at that. I have the video right here. Yep. <laughs> um, Steam Deck gets yes. a Switch-style OLED upgrade. Now, Eric, I know next episode we're going to be hearing your catching up. We're going to talk about the Steam Deck, and if you think, well, you already kind of gave away that you love it, but the first year you spent with your Steam Deck and your opinions on it, but for those who don't know, they're updating the Steam Deck. It looks like it's a simple update. Yep, but just like they did with the Switch, um, they're going to basically have the the same original entry level Steam Deck. They always had kind of a good, better, best. The entry level is going to stay the same, but it's going to drop in price a little bit, which is yep. welcome. And then the better and best versions are now going to ha- be a 512 gigabyte and a one terabyte version of uh, the same device, but with an OLED screen. Which OLEDs are gorgeous. They're beautiful, and they do take less power, which is important to note because I did read up on this. So you're right. They did exactly what Nintendo did. Instead of coming out with a Steam Deck 2, they basically said, hey, we'll do the stopgap, which is going to be a Steam Deck OLED. Um, It has a bigger OLED screen than the LCD, not by much, 7.4 instead of 7 inches, um, which is still a very large screen. Um, and because, uh, and I was watching, um, um, a video on this because the screen is thinner that they installed in the steam deck. Okay. It gave, it gave them more room inside to actually put a larger battery in there. Oh, really? I did not know that. Not only is it a larger battery, but the OLEDs, I guess it's a more efficient display. It, It will, it will basically use a little less juice. So it, it does give you, from what I saw in the benchmarks that I saw, it gives you about maybe 30 to 40% better battery life, which on a Steam Deck is a big deal because if you're playing a AAA title, you're lucky to, to have that run for about an hour and a half. Um, so that, and then also another thing is that the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi used to work on the same radio inside. Okay. But they've broken that out now. So the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth are on separate radios, and the Wi-Fi has been upgraded to Wi-Fi 6. So if your router at home supports that, you'll get even faster downloads. 
Nice. Yeah. So there, there, it, there's quite a lot in the, in, in the upgrade. I think it's, I think it's cool. It's not enough to make me go because I'm well, very gone. happy with the screen. But, um, but it might be a good time for me who's been thinking about it for a long time. Uh, yes. Still a spicy meatball. Still not a cheap yes. system. So it isn't. You're right. It'll be, it would be more than any computer I've bought in the last 20 years. <laughs> Truth. But there you go. Yeah. Um, I'll read this one for Tim. Okay. Uh, also from timeextension.com, Amber Nix, or as I like to call it, Amber Nix, uh, $70 RGARC handheld looks a lot like a Sega Saturn pad. Uh, they just released a new handheld emulation device that appears to be a modeled, oh, to be modeled after the iconic Sega Saturn controller right down to the rolling D-pad and button layout. It looks like it will be available in four colors across two variants. Uh, the RG Arc-D will dual boot into Android and Linux OS, while the RG Arc-S will only offer Linux. So, first of all, new handheld, these new emulation handhelds are just, like, there's 12 coming out every month at this point. Um, most of them not worth talking about, but this one is cool because it straight up looks like a Sega Saturn pad, which is, I'm sure, why Tim put it on here. It's pretty cool. <laughs> It is very cool, and I love six-button controllers that six buttons are on the face. Yep. Um, you're not using the bumpers for the fifth and sixth buttons because fighting games like Street Fighter, I love I love that. So very, very cool. And it looks like these range from uh, the ARC-S, which is, I guess, Linux only, starts at 70 bucks, and if you want to add a whole bunch of uh, memory, 100 bucks. The top end, the top uh, 120 for the version that's fully loaded with uh, Android and Linux. So there you go. It looks like um, uh, I'm not sure when it comes out. I'm trying to find when it's coming. It comes out very soon. One that one that runs. I have a few of these. Um, I have one of the Amber Nicks, and I have a couple other ones that are from different companies. But one I don't have is one that runs Android. That would be cool because a lot of cool little games come out on Android as well as emulators. So it would be very, it'd be fun to have one, I think, with Android on it. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, speaking of polygons, I don't know. <laughs> so there's a guy on Twitter that I followed for a long time named Roz Boz. And I think he's a follower of ours on the pixel guide channel too on Roz Twitter. Boz. And I've been following his, um, development. He's a, he's just a guy making games. And one thing caught my interest. I th- it's been a long time now. I want to say like a year ago. But yeah. I remember seeing a, us, uh, hype this game when it, we first heard about it. Yep. It is. It's I'll say the name right now. SPGP or super polygon. Grand Prix. Grand Prix. This, this is a throwback to 90s style uh, racing games. Like, Very, a, like a Virtua Racer or a, mm-hmm. yeah, Super Monaco. I've always been very impressed by the uh, screenshots and little test videos that he's put out on Twitter. And this game has finally gotten a Steam page. It's not out yet, but he's going to do an early access game mode for this where you'll be able to buy and download it while he's still working on it to test it out um and then before it goes and this, that's a pretty popular mode now nowadays on steam is to release it as an early access game but he he's been playing it online 
So it's it's not buggy or anything. It, 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 whenever I see him playing it, it looks fantastic. It plays fantastic. Um, some of the updates I've I've seen him talk about are updating the a, the AI, and he's added so many tracks. There's 40 tracks in this game. Oh wow! Um, I think this game looks amazing, and I am going to be a day one purchaser of this game. And I've been following it for a long time, so I'm eagerly awaiting it. Doesn't it look awesome? It looks, yeah, it looks excellent. It looks very retro, but at the same time, very smooth and modern, <laughs> if that makes sense. Keeps the retro feel and vibe while getting rid of the retro choppiness and uh, and instability. Correct. So, yeah, nice. We'll have the link in the show notes. Super Polygon Grand Prix. You can add it to your wish list on Steam, and you'll get the announcement when it actually goes for sale, which, according to him, is going to be very soon. Yeah, I said December. I would I wouldn't be surprised if it's before the end of the year. Yep. Perfect. Uh, quick one here. There's, um, yep. for the Game Boy Color's 25th anniversary, uh, a game, a modern Game Boy Color game called Dangan GB2 is coming out. And it's just a really cool kind of manic shmup that's, that's coming out on the Game Boy Color. Uh, I think you can buy it either as a cartridge or as just a download. Um, but yeah, just take a quick look at it, and uh, it's a it's a bullet hell shoot 'em up. And uh, here we go. Here's some here's some gameplay for you. So, oh man, look at that. Yeah. Um, not a whole else to say about it. It kind of has a uh, you know bullets everywhere. It's definitely a bullet hell, uh, which is not something you really see on the Game Boy Game Boy Color in this case. And um, it's kind of got characters that almost look like some of the ships from gradius with the core that you have to shoot shoot the core yeah um but we're just really cool bullet patterns i, I think it's pretty straightforward i think uh it's, it's not the most fully featured game in the world but if you like dodging bullets that's what it's got for you it's kind of all boss battles and there's so many things going on on the screen at one time uh it looks like a um like like pushing the limits of the game boy you know what i mean uh it it it, it it looks really slick, so you, you'd have to see it to know what we're talking about, but it looks really good. Yeah. So there we go. That's all I really wanted to say about that. Is that going to be a physical cartridge? Do you know? Um, I can't remember right now, and I was just looking in the, the page, so I'm not sure. But Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll, I'll, I'll look it up later. If it's a physical thing, that would be fun to have. For sure. I'll read this next one from Tim. New preview video has just dropped for Sarah Jane Avery. Um. Briley Witch Chronicles 2, a new RPG coming soon for the Commodore 64, PAL, and NTSC. Uh, Briley Witch Chronicles 2 is based on books 5 and 6 of the Briley Witch novels, The Fallen Witch, and Grey Waters. Uh, there'll be a link in our show notes for the video of, it, of some of the gameplay on this. Um, there was a Briley Witch Chronicles 1, which was... Um, Highly regarded. A lot of people really love that game. Man, I wanted to finish it, but I just don't have time to finish an it's RPG. It's an RPG, exactly. It, um, it takes I wish time. I did. Um, I wish I did because it does look very, very good. So, And it was very well thought out. Um, people that have finished it and played it just say they love it. Yep. And it's this witch with her cat running around. Um, lots of story. Um, turn-based battles and collect items and defeat enemies and it's just a really cool it's a really cool 
almost 16-bit RPG, but in in style and in in scope, but on the Commodore. Yeah. So, so the real update number two. Yep. Probably and if you haven't played, if you want to play number two, but you haven't played number one, just go get number one. Uh, I think it's built. Looks like it's built on the same system, so I think it's kind of more. Um, I don't see that it looks like it has is uh, you know improvements necessarily. I think it's just more. I could be wrong on that, but um, you know, play the first one and then go download or go purchase the first one and then move on to this one. I would I wouldn't mind checking out the books too. I haven't checked out the books. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a lot of them, so it'd be a nice series to get into. Yeah. Uh, here's a quick one. A game called Mr. Tough. That apparently was a game that was in magazines and stuff back in the days of the Super Nintendo. Uh, it says, finally goes on sale 20, 28 years later, according to Time Extension. And basically, there's a game back in the 90s that they were it was completed and ready to release. Um developed by sales curve interactive and the publisher was going to be ocean software and for whatever reason in 1995 they canned the game but now um thanks to the retro room an official release is happening so you can buy it in pal or ntsc you can buy a digital download for 15 dollars, a cartridge for 30 dollars, or a boxed version including manual for 50 dollars. and uh i mean you can just tell looking at this game i mean blow it up for you it's very much a a 90s game designed and uh and created in the 90s um it's not a modern game for an old hardware this is a a game programmed at the time of the super nintendo and i don't know i'm just by looking at i can't really tell you why it feels that way but it is but it's definitely a kind of a beat-em-up platformer where you're this big robotic dude with like boxing gloves and uh I don't know, kind of, if I was going to compare it to any other game, it would be kind of like maybe um, Rocket Knight Adventures kind of a thing. It's, it's a, Do you know what I'm getting at, Eric? Is that- I do, I do. It's very colorful, um, like Rocket Knight Adventures. And it, it yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's hard to, it, it, this, it's the style of it. It's, the, yeah, it's, it's stylized quite a bit like that. Very cartoony, comic book kind of graphics platformer but zoomed in so much that your all the sprites are pretty big on the screen um in fact i might have thought it was a game boy advance game if you didn't tell me it's a super nintendo game so could be cool so take a look at our show notes yeah for 15 bucks throw it on your everdrive it looks like quite a deal but if you're a you know an enthusiast of having real games the cartridge is is reasonably priced and then the whole box is very reasonably priced so mr tough All right. Next on the list. Um, ooh, all right. Shooters. Yeah, I like yeah. shooters. One of the best shoot 'em ups ever just released on Steam. So, what would you say is one of the best shoot 'em ups ever? Radiant Silver Gun. There you go. You is got that really it. what Radiant it is. <laughs> Actually, I, that's one people consider is the best ever. I've not played very much of it, honestly. Um, I do remember when I was in my retro revival, getting back into things and buying all the all the all the equipment. I remember trying to find a, a f- official copy of Radiant Silver Gun. Yep. And even back then, it was ridiculously expensive. So I owned a I copy. Man, yeah. If you would have hung on to that, well, you'd have something. Well, that I I got. If you remember, I got a huge deal of Japanese imported. Yeah, yeah, that's Saturn right. Saturn games. In fact, you bought one of them from me. That's how we met. Yep. 
and this was in the collection, but um, th- the concept for me was to buy that collection and sell off about 20 games of that collection to make my money back, and then the rest was butter. So that's what I yeah. did at the time. But um, yeah, and Radiant Silver Gun was, I, I, I think it was 240 bucks at that time, something like that. I don't think it's gone up a ton because I think it has been released on some other things, but not Steam. Yeah, and that's what's bringing it. That's what's I think bringing the price down or making it reasonable is that there are now different ways to get Radiant Silver Gun, and now you can get it on Steam. Uh, Radiant Silver Gun is a successor to Ikaruga, which is another great game. I I, I suck at Ikaruga, you know but I will I will throw it on every once in a while. Uh, that's the light like color changing. You know, where you switch from black to white, and so if you're if the enemies coming at you are black, you switch to black and shoot them. Um, Ikaruga I'm just not very good at but Radiant Silver Gun is just a beautiful and very very good shoot 'em up so maybe you might need treasure. to make that a, a battle of system game because I really want to delve into it I need an excuse to delve into it to um, Radiant Silver Gun to Radiant Silver Gun hey, I've played a ton of Ikaruga okay um, which is by the way the successor to Radiant Silver this is the prequel right yeah right um yeah, you can get it on Steam. They do charge a lot for these. Uh, yeah, it looks like twenty bucks. It's going to be twenty bucks on Steam. Yeah, we got to think of a game to put it up against. So many good Japanese shooters, but I know. Yes, yes, but we'd have to play Saturn versus something else. So maybe, yeah. maybe Thunder Force Five on the PlayStation, which is a on Japanese. The PlayStation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. We'll have to. Well, I don't know. Once a year, we do kind of a shooter battle. That would yeah. that would go in line. Um, right. here's a little indie action puzzler okay. that I wanted to bring up. Not because, well, it does look good to me. I do love puzzle games in, in this fashion, um, where they're kind of competitive falling block type puzzle games. Uh, this game is called pedal crash. Apparently this game came out in 2020 across various platforms such as switch and, uh, PlayStation four and Android, but it is now being released for the Neo Geo. So that's the version I want to get. Um, yeah. Going to throw it on your multi-cart, right? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, if, if, um, they'll probably come out with a full cartridge version, but that'll be like $500 because that's what those games are. But, um, yeah, take a look at this game. I mean, I don't even know how it plays yet, but just looking at the gameplay, this is totally my thing. It's kind of like got a, a puzzle fighter vibe. Um Whereas you versus a, uh, either a computer opponent or your opponent, and you're—I don't know what you're doing. You're you're sliding tiles around, trying to match things, and things are blowing up, and you're sending crap to the other enemy. And I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's one of the few puzzle games I actually really like. And this one, um, it's really one you're going to have to think about and look at what the rules are and stuff. Because just looking at, it, I don't know what's going on. Like it's, I can't tell from just looking at it. Yep kind of in the vein of like magical drop or yeah. again puzzle fighter or puzzle bobble which was called what a bust a move outside of yep. america but new neo geo games always down yep all right so, i love this title <laughs> one step forward two steps back so we've been praising atari a lot on the show as in the last six months and because they've been making some pretty smart moves. It, after, mainly, after making some really stupid moves for about five years. Correct. Hotels. Uh, uh, Bitcoin. Blockchain. This. Atari coin. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, just the most ridiculous things in the world. Uh, they started to get back on track with games and, and publishing games. Um, and then now I found this article. This article popped up in my normal news feed on my phone. I was like, oh, no. Um, there is an Atari jacket. Yes. Okay, which that alone isn't bad. Um, I've seen people buy Atari T-shirts and and other paraphernalia, but... This is an Atari jacket that was modeled on one from back in the day. Yes. I, I don't mind that. A very popular but, one from now back in the day, which everyone, you know. Yep. It's a members-only jacket. <laughs> yep, everybody wanted this style of jacket. And uh, now, but now, you can't just go buy this. It's for NFT owners only. Oh, what? Hold on, I got a sound yep. effect for that. <laughs> So you have to buy some crappy, stupid Atari NFT to be able to then buy this jacket. Um, it is a members-only Atari jacket. I, I, uh, I, 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 I'm starting to like this stuff less and less. Not that I ever did like it, but uh, this nowadays... Is the, this is the, the Taylor Swift debacle of, uh, of the last five years with Atari. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that other guy's name that Taylor Swift's been dating, but anyways, <laughs> it's the whole Taylor Swift debacle all over yep. again. So anyway, this is dumb. If you want to see the jacket, it's not a bad looking jacket, although it's super eighties looking is what it is. It's very eighties looking, but it it's not worth having to buy some crappy NFT to be able to get it. So Avoid it at all costs, and I do hope that this is just a remnant of the old Atari that they just had to release for some reason. Now I have and to give them. I have to give them one point for okay. What's that for creating an Atari jacket for members only? That is a members only jacket. <laughs> like yeah, right. I mean, the irony is too perfect for what it's worth. But there you go. Oh, so, oh, more, there's more Atari stuff. Go ahead. Cody. Yeah, so I had to put the Atari stuff next to yours because, yes. like I said, one step forward, two back. Well, let's take a, let's take a, a couple shuffles uh, in, in one direction <laughs> or the other. I don't know which way yet. Let's find out here. But um, here's a more potentially more step back. Uh, after okay. buying some other companies recently, which most people, have. Most people fret about, uh, Atari is now buying Digital Eclipse. Now, Digital Eclipse uh, is a big modern publisher. Uh, they recently yes, they released such titles as Street Fighter 30th Anniversary. They released the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. They helped them release the Atari 50 Anniversary Celebration um, and a number of other, th- other things. But Digital Eclipse has been kind of modernizing and re-releasing games for a while now. And so that is yet another property, another a company that Atari will own. It looks like they are, uh, the initial consideration is $6.5 million to purchase digital equips. It includes, uh, well, all kinds of whatever. It doesn't matter what it includes, but basically they're going to buy a company for a lot of money. Uh, so Atari must be doing all right. Cause it used to be kind of, you know, five years ago, it was kind of one guy who bought Atari and, and tried to stick it on terrible things and, and he must yeah. have made enough money doing that that where he's actually buying companies now and making things happen, which is yeah, I'm kind of wondering business wise all this money. Pretty it's cool, pretty crazy. Well, I mean, you go to any store nowadays, you see Atari stuck on you know 
stuff that people are buying, whether it's a arcade, you know, whatever the, those cheap little handheld retro arcade things at Target or right. all kinds of different things. So, I mean, business-wise, this, this dude's made some money by using the Atari license, but now we're now we're straight up buying companies. So, we will see where this goes. Not sure what they plan to do with Digital Eclipse. <sighs> Digital Eclipse, who has overseen more than 250 releases during its lifespan. Um, and yeah. I like this part. And has recently gained a solid reputation when it comes to preserving retro games for future generations. So keep that in mind when their previous purchases were AtariAge.com, the forums where everybody likes to talk about retro video games and sell retro video games. Uh, and um, I can't remember the, the name of the other site right now, but the database that everybody was using to maintain yeah. knowledge of all these old retro video games. So they're kind of buying the the retro game zeitgeist, if you will, the mindshare of the community. So one way or another, there are oh, Moby Games and Atari Age. Those are the two recently. So yeah, which are both two big sites. For sure, for sure. Interesting. All right. Let's keep this going. One more. Uh, now, this is a step forward. Okay, good, we, good. We good. talked about it last time, but uh, they are releasing, Atari is releasing another Atari 2600 game on original cartridge that you can buy brand new from Atari. It's not cheap, but it's not overtly expensive like some of the recent endeavors. Uh, they're releasing a classic game called Dark Chambers, which I believe has never been released. It was a game that was was i believe uh created but never released for the atari and you can get a version of the game in box with a brand new cartridge for 60 bucks so there you go and it will be playable of course on the upcoming atari 2600 plus which is coming out this month eric uh and if you remember we talked about that last episode that is a full-on atari 2600 slash it looks like a 2600 it's a little bit smaller can also play 7800 games but it it is hdmi out but with nine pin controllers and stuff in the front you can even buy new paddles for it uh, compatible with all your original atari games and this is basically just a new a new atari game for your old system so you can just just buy this cartridge and plug it into your old 2600 if you want as well and it was originally known as dandy and i remember dandy i I could have sworn i Oh, I didn't realize this was Dandy. Yeah, you, we've played... I've definitely played Dandy on... Um, which is short for D-N-D, right? Dandy. Right. Um, I played it on the Atari 800. Or, yes. Or, that's or 400, where I played whatever. it before, too. Yep. So, yeah. So, and that's a, it's, a, it's a good game. Ooh, now I kind of want to try the 2600 version. Yeah, me too. I don't know if I $60 want to try it, but I want to try it. Yeah, it might be a tough sale. Uh, and it looks like they have another one coming out, which I don't think we've talked about this one. Is this a new one? We might have talked about this, I know, but they have another one coming out in the same line called Save Mary. So I don't know anything about it yet, but there you go. Yet yes, another sir, I think we Atari. did talk about this. It's a previously unreleased game. So there we go. Baby steps forward as well as a couple steps back. Um, ooh, I got one more quick one here, and yes, I don't, yes. I can't delve too much into this. But we just been, we just talked about watching the Super Mario movie. At least uh, Tim did, and then I did recently. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Eric. That new uh, Super Mario movie. I haven't yet. No. Okay. Um, I've heard it's good though. Everyone tells me it's great. It's definitely worth one watch. I don't know if I need to watch it again, but yeah, it's, it was good. I enjoyed it. It's fun. Uh, nonetheless, live action Legend of Zelda movie has entered into production. 
So, wow. Sony Pictures and Nintendo are teaming up to make a Legend of Zelda movie. So, I'm very interested to see uh, what kind of vibe they're going for. I think Legend of Zelda is more of a serious, uh, still family oriented, but more of a serious adventure yeah. kind of a vibe. But I'm sure they'll have like comic relief in the, you know, in a side character or something. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see where this one goes as well. I'm sure we'll get some weird voice castings for it and we'll all judge them, but that's part of it. This- this is live action, so this live is action. even voices, right? So this is actresses and actors. You're right. right. I, I, you're, you're, you're right. I, I did say live action, and, and that is what it is. I hope Taylor Swift plays Zelda. That's all I'm saying. Yes. I'm not sure why I'm agreeing with you, but sure. <laughs> sure. Yes. No, it's got to be someone funky. Um, I, I'm not up on my young. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the who is the Katniss person? Um, She's not young enough, though. Isn't Zelda's like? Is she is like she really young? Twenty or something? Isn't like? I don't know. Okay, so maybe Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Boom! <laughs> Nailed it. All right, let's just go with that. All right, moving <laughs> on. Uh, speaking of Super Mario, we were just we're talking about them. Yes, Super Mario RPG is out this month, and you won't believe the price. Oh, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> now, this is a great game. And, yes, uh, it is. I didn't know it was coming out on the Switch, but I can only guess what they're going to charge for it. Yep, so I remember the day I got the original um, Super Mario RPG on Super Nintendo. I went into a retro gaming store maybe 10 years ago maybe a little bit longer, 10 years ago, and found it. And it was reasonably priced. I think I got it for about 25 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. That's but not bad. It's, it still has the Albertsons sticker on it. Like you could rent, rent it, it at Albertsons. Albertsons. <laughs> like the supermarket. Perfect. And I left the sticker on there because I think it's pretty cool to leave those kind of things on. On You know, I didn't yeah. try to remove the sticker. Um but I remember finding it and playing it and really enjoyed it. I never finished it, but I do. And I do remember it being great even back in the day. So they basically just read redid it and they smoothed out some rough edges. They've updated the graphics. Obviously they've added new playable characters. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be a legit game. I mean, on the switch, I think it's going to be amazing, but it's for 60 bucks. All all first party Nintendo games are sixty dollars. That's just what they are. Actually, I take that back because Link is uh, the new Zelda game was uh, sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, um, I that I, I I'm not I won't be getting this. Um, I'm I'm not a I'm not opposed to getting sixty dollar Nintendo games. I've bought I've bought new games like Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I paid full price for that. Um, but they're new games. Yep. This one is, isn't a new game. This is an old game that's been redone. And I, I understand they need to make money, but it just, I don't know. Something just doesn't sit well with me that this is full price. I mean, I'm okay with 40 bucks or whatever, but. So here's my take on this. And I, I, for me and you, I agree. I've played this yes. game. I have ways to play this game. It is a great game. I've actually played all the way through it and completed it. Uh, for those who don't know, this game is uh, kind of a turn-based Japanese RPG game, but done with you know, Nintendo and Mario Flair. And the real beauty of it is this cool 3D isometric-looking vibe. 
course, great story, great characters you get involved in because it's Nintendo. But the big thing is that when you're doing these turn-based battles, there are timed button presses and things that affect the outcome. So you're not just saying you attack here and then waiting for it to happen. You're always involved in the action, uh, which is something that other RPGs need to do more because it's really good. Yeah, it keeps Um, you engaged. Now, that being said, I'm watching video of it, and they completely redid this thing from the ground up. Yeah. Um, So I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, this is from the ground up redone. Um, It's not like they just ported it real quick. They, they, it, it's a full fledged thing. Yeah. If it was thirty dollars, I'd probably buy it just to play it again. Yes, me too. I would not do it for sixty. That being said, you know people are going to buy this. And the thing I like about it is even though they're going to pay $60 and they're going to play this game, they're going to love it. So I have nothing against it. If I was Nintendo, I'd, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. And um, I think you're going to get, if I remember correctly, a good 25, 30 hours out of it if it's exactly like the old game. And they're going to love it. So for what it's worth, I would still recommend it even at $60 for someone who, who hasn't played the game before. Yeah, I mean, it looks gorgeous. So uh, I... I want to play this, um, but and so what I'll do is what I always do is I'll go on eBay and I'll wait for someone to sell it on eBay after they've played it, used. Maybe they didn't like it. Maybe they just want to get rid of it. And, you know, I'll get it for 20% off or whatever. I'll just wait for it used. And this is made by Nintendo. Like, uh, I know it's yes. published by them, but it's made by Nintendo as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's a bit of a bummer because, for example, I know... Um, What's the tactical turn-based game? Um, Mario Rabbids? Yeah, the Rabbids game is by Ubisoft. And because right. because Ubisoft's the developer, that game will go on sale for as low as like $10 sometimes. Correct. I think this is Nintendo. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is. And if this is full on Nintendo, then the biggest discount you're ever going to see is maybe like $45. So that's yeah. just kind of the MO. So it is what it is, but it's a great game. Yep. But yeah, I'm 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 a little bummed by the price. But I might just go play it on the Super Nintendo. Maybe I'll play it on my Nintendo. I mean, you can play this on the Super Nintendo Classic that they came out with just a few years back. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, maybe that's what that's what I'll do is is do this for an Eric's take or something. And because I, I I it's been like I said over ten years since I've played it, and I would love to get into it and play it again. That would be awesome. Maybe we'll do it for a battle so we can both hop into it because I love it too. Yeah. Uh, one last news item, Eric, and it's okay. Cody's news, news, news of the weird, 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 weird. One last item. Um, Metal Gear Solid is coming out with their own cologne, Eric. If you want to smell <laughs> like Metal Snake or whatever his name is, uh, Solid Silent Snake, Snake uh, <laughs> then, I don't know. You know, I've actually never... I've played the original, like, 8-bit version. I've never played a Metal Gear Solid game after the 8-bit versions. There was one on PS2, and it's not coming to mind. It was the first one that was on PS2. I think it was Metal Gear... Well, Metal Gear Solid was the first one on PlayStation, I believe. That was one of the first games, to me, that was super overhyped in the media and that, that I fell for. I was like... This is it. This is the game you get, you have to get if you have a PS2. Where you'd hide and in a I box. I did buy it, and I did buy it, and I did love it. So I mean, it, it was a it was a great game. Now, when you were playing that game, Eric, we were like, "Man, I'd love to smell like him." 
Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Perfect. And were you thinking, man, I'd love to spell, spend thirty nine ninety nine pounds, so about fifty bucks for a bottle of his cologne? Well, I'm glad you can because Shadow Mosses is the <laughs> unisex cologne. Don't worry, they didn't make two. They weren't gonna. They weren't gonna put two. They're gonna make this one uh, for for both sexes here. Shadow Moth- Mosses. The metal. Is that Mosses or Moses? I guess it could be Shadow Moses. Yeah, I think it's Moses. That's even weirder. Mo- Mosses would have two S's in the middle. Because it's twice as good? I guess. I don't know what Shadow Moses means. You're right, it is Shadow Moses. <laughs> I don't know. So there you go, Metal Gear Solid Cologne. Uh, what does only, that smell like? <laughs> only a thousand units for sale. I'm assuming yeah. it smells like um, like swamp foot, because I just imagine this guy is like wet in those clothes for weeks on end trying to make this mission happen. And I can't imagine there's not some kind of fungal infection in those shoes. But uh, here you go. It smells like a it smells like a money grab. Yep. Yep. Uh, Eric, that is it for the news, my friend. That's it. Yay! Are you still enjoying your beer? I've got a little left. I've got a tiny bit left. Well, let's tiny go bit. ahead and uh, we'll battle some systems so that we can uh, get to recording next episode episode 119 which we also record tonight going to let you guys behind the the fourth wall here uh but until that time let's go ahead and battle a few systems yay (laughs) yay battle of the systems All right, Eric, tell us again about this battle. Yeah, so this battle of systems is going to be uh, kind of a last-minute thing, which is cool. I mean, we we originally said, hey, the battle's going to be diner on the Intellivision. Which we versus, agreed on and understood. Yep, versus, well, originally, well, let, let me say, we, we <laughs> said food fight on the Atari 7800. No, I so think we you were, said fast food, and I think I misheard it and thought That's right, food that's fight. right. So... Well, yeah, so we'll start from the very beginning. We were going to do fast food on the Atari 2600 versus diner on the Intellivision. And I picked those because they're both similar systems in television, Atari 2600. I mean, genre, I mean, era wise. Um, and they're both food based. So that's why I picked those. But then you started playing Food Fight. Which on the 7800. On the Atari 7800, which I love that game. And immediately I was like, well, let's just stick with Food Fight because I love playing it. So let's, I'm going to jump in there. So, yep. right before we recorded this show, we were like, well, let's just do all three since we're familiar with Food Fight. And it is, a, it is a pretty simple game. So, I think we can cover it pretty well last minute here. So, we're going to yeah. have a, and for a three way battle. And for what it's worth, to, and to, be, to explain, I did play Food Fight. For a while, and then he said, "Oh, I meant fast food. Let's just change it." And then I'm like, "Well, what was fast food?" Because I'd never played it, so okay. I threw that in my 7800 because the 7800, which I had Food Fight on, can also play 2600 games. So I just threw the cartridge in because I owned it as well, yep. um, and uh, played fast food. I take it back; I don't own it. I had the the Harmony Cart, and yep. uh, and I did play that as well. Now, to be fair. The 2600 came first. A number of years later, the Intellivision came out. Yep. And then only a couple years after that, the 7800 was designed. It just wasn't released for a while. Correct. So they're really kind of bookending 
Disney and television. So I think they're all kind of in the same four years as far as de- four or five years as far as design is concerned. They were they're yeah. actually pretty so, close. So yeah, I think you're. I think I think that's right, and I think it's okay to battle these three. I think they're close enough in era to to battle against each other. Um, so let's one more time. We're going to say all three: diner on television. In fact, let let me say what 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 direction I would like to do these games. Sure, go for it. Let's do food fight first on the seventy eight hundred. Okay, known quantity. Let's do diner on the Intellivision, and then let's do fast food on the twenty six hundred. Deal. Does that sound like a good plan? It does sound like a good plan. There we go. That's what we're going to do. So the first one is going to be food, food fight. fight. Let's get some raw details, shall we? Food Fight on the Atari came out on the Atari 7800, and it did come out on the 8-bit computers. There were, um, it, they had their own cartridges for the Atari 800, uh, but mainly it's known for the Atari 7800. It was also in the arcade. Um, I've never com- played the arcade version, by the way. I've never even seen the arcade version in real life, so I, I've, I've never played it either. The developer for this game was General Computer Corporation. That sounds very exciting. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The publisher was Atari. Uh, So the publisher was officially Atari. Um, The designers were Keith Sawyer and Jonathan Hurd. Um, In the arcade, this came out in 1983. Um, And then the Atari 8-bit and 7800 versions came out in 86. Okay. Uh, That surprises me. Honestly, I mean, I understand the Atari, the, uh, I'm sorry, I understand the 7800 version because it came out so late. Yes. But the Atari 8-bit surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, The modes, it's a single player game, but you can do two players alternating too. So. Yep. um, In the arcade, this came out on the Atari 68000 board, which was a pretty popular platform for developing Atari arcade games. Um, I think that's it for dry statistics. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'll go into some gameplay. So, first of all, I've never played sure. the arcade version. I would have to see. I don't think I've even ever looked at the arcade version to see what it looks like. So, it's what I will be say, similar, right? What I will say about most, first of all, most Atari games and definitely most 7800 games, which is weird because again, we're talking about 86 at this point. Yeah, most of these games, for whatever reason, are just plain black background games yep. with a few sprites on them. It, it's bizarre to me that a game in 1986 when, I mean, the Nintendo's out at this point with full scrolling color backgrounds and things, that yep. these games are as simple as they are. So, first of all, keep in mind we're talking about this as a game, and if it's fun to play now, at least I am. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, that that being said, I mean, you're literally looking at a game that with slightly different graphics could have come, come out in like 79 in the arcades. I mean, sure. It's not graphically impressive by any means. Uh, nonetheless, it is a game where you are a character with a head twice the size of your body. Uh, you have a gigantic melon of a head and you Correct. start on the right side of the screen and your and goal his name, by the way, is Charlie Chuck, Charlie Chuck. Charlie which is, Chuck. Which is also very, like, late 70s arcade. <laughs> exactly. Um, you start on the right side of the screen, mm-hmm. and your goal is simple. You want to get 
to the left side of the screen where there is an ice cream cone waiting for you. Um, And your goal is to get to it, in which case your head opens like like a monitor lizard three times the size of your body, and you engulf the thing, like crawling your body over the food itself until you you swallow it up um it is the most bizarre looking animation and it's hilarious every time uh but there are portholes in the ground again this stuff can only come from the nightmares of like creators in the (laughs) in the early 80s correct portholes like these little spots in the ground where evil chefs pop up and uh they're smaller than you for whatever reason they have different size hats which comes into play when they're trying to touch you and there's food everywhere either bananas or cupcakes or watermelons or whatever. And these little pile of food, piles of food, you can go to them. When you touch one of those pile of foods, you grab a piece of that food. So for example, we just saw a banana and you can now, um, throw it in the eight different directions, you know, orthogonally or diagonally. And, but once you throw it, you have to go back to a pile of food to get more food. Uh, the whole time these chefs are running around, going after you in later levels they can also grab the food and throw it at you uh and what it took me a while to learn is it gets to a point where you realize they're actually kind of trying to throw it at each other as well <laughs> i think the idea was yeah they're mostly focused on you but it's kind of like a free-for-all where everyone's throwing food at each other like a food fight right um but yeah, you get points for, for hitting chefs with food, but you also get the most points for getting to your ice cream before it melts too much. The quicker you get there, the more points you get. And repeat. Um, multiple levels. Yep. You start with three lives. You can gain lives with getting to certain scores. And that's the game. Yep, that is the game. There's a, a couple little subtleties. The ice cream cone on the left-hand side that you're trying to get to, it's not in the same spot every time. So that creates a unique challenge in that sometimes it takes you near an enemy or near holes that you can fall into or whatever. But the ice cream cone on the left isn't always in the same spot. It can be anywhere on the left-hand side, but it can all, it can change where its location is. Um, the piles of food laying around that you can grab and throw have um, a limited number except for the watermelon. So all the different types of oh, food items. Oh, I didn't items. realize the watermelon. You're right. You don't, you don't burn through it, huh? No. So there's an unlimited supply of watermelon. So you can sit there and, and camp out on the watermelon and have a bunch of projectiles to throw. Uh, but all the other piles of food, they do run out. So you can't camp in the game. Um, another thing is the chefs that are after you are all unique. Um, there are four different chefs, and they all have, they have different names. Zorba. Angelo and Oscar and they're designated by the different types of their hats there. So you could tell the difference between them. Um, They do have, um, they they appear out of the holes and sometimes the holes are covered so you can run over there and sometimes they're not and you can fall into them and die. My daughter Um, kept falling into holes. Yeah. It's, and it's funny because it's trying to, it's not 3d at all. It's a 2d game, but there's this weird 3D element where you're not quite sure if you're going to fall into the hole or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, you kind of have to watch where your feet are as opposed to where your head is or your body is. And yeah, exactly. Um, so, so there is some subtleties to, to all the different things in this game. Um, but ultimately is just, it is just an action arcade game. Yep. 
Uh, I did play this a bunch with my daughter. We tried to high score each other. And Eric, you and I both got similar scores at a similar level. I think I got to like 21. You got to 22 or 23. And you did come out on top. I hate to uh, have to admit. <laughs> you hate to admit that. I, do um, hate I to think admit. I had, what was it, 169,000 something? You had 125 or 24? Oh, was it? oh, I didn't realize you beat me by that much. But yeah, I know you got a level or two higher than me, which the points definitely uh, increase when you get that much higher. Yeah. Um, I might also, be wrong about the score, but yeah, I got a little bit higher. It wasn't also, also, I never learned about the watermelons being uh, unlimited. So for all I know, you just camped out there and just kept hitting chefs in the face with watermelon. I don't know. Which, <laughs> uh, well, rack- the, that is another element, though. You make up a good point. You can't just camp out forever. The ice cream cone is melting. Yes. Yes. If you wait too long, you will die because if the ice cream cone melts, the game your that life is over. So you cannot wait around and jack the score up, which I think is pretty smart of Atari to have built that into the game. Yeah. So I mean, for me, and maybe you did it the same way, or maybe you kind of have felt ended up in a different strategy. But for me, the game ultimately is as quick as possible dispatching of the chefs by getting to a piece of food and and just throwing stuff quickly trying to get to the right as quick as possible and you're typically going to have to stop either halfway or almost all the way to the other side of the screen and and shoot off a bunch of chefs again until you know you can get to that ice cream before you get hit with their food they're throwing and then you kind of repeat um it it is simple it is very one-sided but it's also very fun um the one downside I would say is like a lot of games, I wouldn't say this era because we're getting, we're talking about 86, but the gameplay is very much like 79 through 82 gameplay um, in a good way. I mean, that, that style of gameplay, but like a lot of games from there, I would say for the average player, now we're watching a crazy speed run or whatever right now, it's a high school run, but for the average player, I feel like it starts out super simple and slow for like 10 levels. And then the gameplay starts ramping up and getting pretty fun. And then you hit like 21, 22. And then all of a sudden, it's just insane. Like, it's almost luck because it's going so fast that it's just like, this is beyond the scope of just practice. This is just kind of luck if you're going to make it through a level or not. Yes. And I I feel like a lot of games do that. They kind of exponentially ramp up so quickly once they hit a challenging point that it kind of takes the fun out of it for me. But that first, I don't know, 20 levels is great. Yeah, I do have to wonder, is the arcade game a quarter muncher where that would explain exactly what you're talking about? And was that ported over to the 7800 version? Is it just the same version? So that's why it's so hard is that it needs you to abandon that game to make more quarters, right? Yeah. So it's hard to say. I, I don't know. I don't know if the port's a lot different than the arcade version. But I mean, like we're watching these last, I mean, this guy's on level 42. I don't know if this yeah. is a legit person or a computer assisted run or whatever, but I mean, the chefs just throw a constant stream of food, use up all the food on the screen. So you can't use it. I yeah. mean, it, I don't know how you'd play this unless you just put hours and hours and hours. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, it is, it is definitely fun. Um, there are four different difficulty modes yes. and, I can't really um, tell you exactly what the differences were. I do know on the hardest mode I tried, the chefs could throw stuff right off the bat. I think there were maybe more chefs or faster chefs. Um, oh, and then one weird thing about the game. Not only does it, is it, do you look hilarious 
expanding your mouth wide enough and your tongue out to eat the ice cream cone because that looks just grotesque. Um, but when you uh, die, all the food on the screen for some reason jumps off the screen and sticks to you. <laughs> Which is cool. It's a neat effect, and it and it and it has that like like a scoring sound yeah um which like is anti-score. satisfying it's very satisfying because you'll get, eat the cone and then all of a sudden it's like and and you get you see all your score like go way up so yep. it is very satisfying uh also fun note i mean there's very little as far as what changes on the screen except for what food is on the screen but the, right. the ice cream changes color so i guess it can be vanilla or strawberry or chocolate so that's yep, and you can see something. it melting it's like melting away but I mean, it is an archaic looking game. And, and now I would say that, um, I would, I would care to say that if you have an Atari 7800, mm-hmm. this game would be kind of akin to combat on the 2600. Like you, everyone has two or three copies of this game. Yes. I have two myself. And I have one. I have one original one. And, but you know, I think I might have another one out in the, in the garage somewhere buried in a box. Yep. And I think it is the most common, most popular game on the 7800. It's like the quintessential 7800 game. Yep. And uh, one little piece of trivia about this game is there was a port for the Atari 2600, but it was canceled. Huh. Canceled last minute. But it is a game that you could see being on the 2600. What are these little piles of grain that you throw? What do you think that is? Is that rice? I think it's pepper i want to say it's pepper from the burger time action you know what i mean i mean it looks like pepper because of burger time but it's a little yellow pile of something i don't know Hmm. not entirely sure but um all right so we're talking about food we're talking about um yeah we're talking about food here so maybe we'll look out of um out of trying to get creative here out of one cup of flour yeah <laughs> what what measurement are you going to give this game are, are you going to go with a couple of teaspoons a tablespoon are you going to go with a out of I one know. cup i don't know I, I guess this is going to create some head math if we try it this way <laughs> two-thirds a cup half a cup yeah where are you going here i'm going to give this one a three-quarters cup this is a fun solid game that this is one of those rare games that is very um, rudimentary in a lot of aspects, but is still fun to play to this day. Uh, I love this game. I play it all the time. It's one of the games that I'll actually pull out my 7800, boot it all up, get all the crappy joysticks for it, and like have have at it with Atari 7800 with, with a food fight. So I I really like this game. So I'm going to give it three quarters of a cup. Okay, okay. I'm not going to go that high simply because I agree with everything you said, but it I get burnt out on it pretty quick because uh although it, it does have that keep you know come back for another one. Uh yeah. but any game where the the difficulty shoots up so quick that it just kind of becomes well, when I get that point in the game it's like what happens, right? Right. Um so I'm going to give it a cup and a tablespoon. Okay. Uh, that's that's where I'm going on this game, but it is a great game. I think everyone who has the 7800 should have a copy, and it should be played if you haven't tried it. And it's especially fun when we have two people and you're kind of trying to high score each other. Yes, it is a great high score game. All right, now we're going fast food on the 2600, right? 
No, we were going to go in order of uh, oh, okay. system release from the newest to the oldest in television. We're going to go with Diner right now. So wait, what, what, what did you give that one? I gave it a half cup plus a tablespoon. Half plus tablespoon. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, this is going to be rough trying to calculate this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we have Intellivision's Diner, which I'll be honest with you, I've looked around for information on this. I had to do a lot of research on it. And I had a hard time finding a lot of good dry statistics on this game. A lot of the history for this is just not around. The first release date of this game was 1987. Um, It was on the Intellivision. It was an exclusive to the Intellivision. Exclusive, which I think is super cool. Yes, I do too. Um, It is loosely based on the Burger Time franchise. Well, it's funny because I saw a video of this that actually called it a sequel. Yep, and, and that's what is hard to find. I did all the research on this game. Um, it is an unofficial sequel to Burger Time, from what I gather. The guy who made it went to another company, did this game, wanted to make it Burger Time 2, but he didn't have the license for it because he wasn't part of the company. The license belonged to the company, not him. Um, and so it had to be an unofficial sequel to Burger Time. But it's funny because I saw a version of it, and maybe I'm just going crazy, but that said, you know, Burger Time 1982, Data, Data East, mm-hmm. and it said this is the sequel, 1987, whatever this company was called. Yeah, the developer was Real-Time Associates um, based on a Data East license. Interesting. Okay. Um, the release date was April 1987. Publisher was Mattel. Um. So yeah, the, the 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 information is sketchy on this one. Um, it, it's it's kind of all over the place. So it's not. I don't know for sure, but I'm just going to tell you what I the research I did. Um, basically, you are playing Peter Pepper, which is the same guy from Burger Time, the chef, the chef. Yep, yeah. and uh, the Rotten Food Gang has followed him there. Um, he must navigate the diner and kick all the balls of food back onto their respective plates. The balls of food. While avoiding being tackled by the rotten food. Um, Diner was created, and I'm reading this off a website right now called Giant Bomb. Diner was created from a prototype of a Masters of the Universe game. (laughs) So He-Man, this reworking was influenced by the game sales as Burger Time was selling far better than the original Masters of the System Universal Cartridge. Um, While Diner was billed as the sequel to Burger Time and used the Burger Time name and characters under license from Data East... It is considered an unofficial sequel at best. It has not seen the light of day since its initial release on the television in 1987. So that's, that's what I'm getting from this site. Um, How would you describe? So I'll just set the graphics and if you can go into gameplay. Sure. So it is very different gameplay wise and graphic wise (laughs) than burger time. It is an isometric game. It almost reminds me of like, Peter Pepper meets Marble Madness. Yes. It's this, again, pseudo-isometric, almost um, uh, M.C. Escher-looking playfield with ladders and platforms and and voids in the platforms. Uh, you've got roughly six balls on each level, and the levels keep changing color, uh, as well as a whole bunch of staircases and ladders. And then you've got uh, 
primarily hot dogs walking around and a few other food types just kind of moving around. And ultimately, your goal is to get these balls kicked down to the very bottom, kind of like Burger Time with creating a, a, a sandwich but uh, or a, a hamburger. But um, it is confusing exactly what it is you're doing. I mean, the, the, the balls kind of rolled to this little thing in the center and complete a, a line of some sort. I don't know. How would you describe the actual gameplay and what you're doing here? Yeah, so before I read anything on this game and I was playing it, I thought you were moving balls of dough down because it looked like a pie down there. Okay, I can see that. So I thought I was completing that. a pie, but now that I've read and did my research, it says balls of food. I've seen two <laughs> websites just say balls of food. And you basically are rolling them down this isometric platforming area, kind of like Marble Madness looking. You're You're kicking them down and then when you when they get down to a certain level they will roll into this little um area that it's hard to explain it's just like a little area where yeah it's almost like a bar graph and every piece you roll down there fills in the bar graph until it's complete and then you move on to the next level and when you do move to the next level it it's it it is cool he celebrates and then the screen scrolls smoothly to one side and then you start another level um but you basically are running around the level um while these characters are chasing you you're going up and down ladders it 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 remind oh by the way when you roll the the balls of food if they hit an enemy it they turn into a number like a score like 500 or whatever and that enemy is gone so you don't have to deal with him um but basically, you're kicking these balls of food back down to the bottom of the screen. So you got to run around these multiple platforms, and there'll be various things. Sometimes they'll pop up like little bonuses. There's like these little martini glasses. Um, sometimes I think I, there was something else. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, almost like Pac-Man or, or Bubble Bobble style. Just collect yeah. the extra food that's on the screen to get points. Yep. Um on the top of the screen are three numbers. One is the number of pepper shakes you have, because just like in Burger Time, you have pepper shakes that if you use, you can stun an enemy for a certain amount of time. Which I kept forgetting gonna... is a thing. So I was, yep. and, and you need it because sometimes you will get cornered. There are easy ways to get cornered in this game, and the only way to escape would be to pepper someone and move, you know, move around them in some way. Uh, then there is the score because it is a game of score, and then. A, your number of lives that you have. Um, and really that's, that's, I think we've covered just about everything in the gameplay. The levels are different. Every time you move to a different level, certain things will happen. Like when you get to level two, certain platforms move up and down, like almost like elevators out of the way, but they can very quickly block you into an area. So you got to be careful about that. Um, but other than that, I think that's about it for the gameplay. So a few things I can say about the gameplay are it, yep. the only thing that makes it look like it's not just some weird, um, again, MC Escher maze is that there is a flashing sign on each level. Uh, so like the one we're on right now says eat. A uh, previous yeah. one said like raise, like it's the name yep. of the restaurant or something, yep. which kind of adds a little something to it, but it's pretty kind of pasted on. Um, when, I, when I say the game, it looks like it's going to be amazing just looking at the game and and even watching the gameplay a little bit uh before i was actually able to try playing a little of it i got all excited about it yeah. um 
again, I kept forgetting about the pepper, uh, which would have helped. Um, were you able to figure out when you were going to kick a ball? Like, did you have mm-hmm. any idea where that ball was going to go? No, it kind of follows its own kind of path, but it always goes down. It always goes downward and well, it always goes go in the direction or, you kick it. So, yeah, but even doing that, I couldn't get, I was trying to kick it left. Sometimes it would go right. Um, and it'll kind of go left or right first and then fall down a path and then go another direction. I don't know which direction, but it was really hard to figure out where the ball was going to go. I can only imagine that you'd have to play this game a lot to just kind of learn where the invisible paths are, where the ball is going to travel. Right. Um, the other, uh, gameplay quirk that I found with this is, and we really didn't explain it that well. It's hard to, to, to put a mind on but when you're talking about burger time being a side on platformer it's easy to say okay you go up the ladders and you go left and right on the platforms here because it's isometric i would think you should it should still be locked in like that but when you're on these big big platforms you can go up and down almost like a brawler on the platforms where you have to know where your feet are and you can go like around characters and you can kick a ball at a character but haven't missed them because they're a little bit higher or lower on the platform (laughs) and i found that just um frustrating as all heck <laughs> like yes uh, another thing i found frustrating was it, it it does have very questionable sprite detection um i'm not even sure if the intellivision has sprites but basically character detection yeah, we'll call it sprite detection we know what you mean because there's supposed to be depth to the game you should technically be able to move around an enemy up or down but you never knew if you were going to actually get by him or not without it detecting a collision and then you lose a life. Um, it was very frustrating. Um, I more than once I tried to get around um, an enemy and thinking I was in the clear and I just must have been one pixel off and the depth wasn't right and and it registered a hit. Oh, another thing is you can only kick one dough ball at a time. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. frustrating too. So it's like You're trying to move quickly. If you're trying, if there's two or three next to each other, you can only hit one at a time. You got to wait till it finds its place on the plate at the bottom, and then you could kick another one. So it could be very frustrating. Yep. But I mean, it super is super cool concept for the Intellivision. This is a it's a pretty pretty good game for the Intellivision. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's cool that it's an exclusive. Um, I would love to get a copy of it. Um, now, to be fully fully upfront with you, yep. this is a game that I was only able to play via emulation, and it took me a while to even get it running. Okay. Um, we'll get more to that. My goal was to get a way to play it on my actual Intellivision, uh, yes. but was not able to. So I had to kind of find a way to play it on an emulator, which took like an hour. Um I know in television emulation isn't difficult, but I just couldn't find the right tools and settings, whatever. And I had to play with a keyboard rather than a controller. So I okay. didn't get a legit experience playing this game. Okay. Um, but it looks like there's only like eight levels altogether. <laughs> if I saw that correctly, or did he die? Oh, no, he died. So maybe there's more than that. But uh, I do think it's cool. It's colorful. It's unique. And uh, I love the concept. I would love to see someone remake this game. Yeah. Exact same game, exactly how it is, but where the platforms don't have up or down. It's just you're locked into that part of the platform. I think that would make this game immeasurably better. Right. And I did play this on the original Intellivision. 
How was that? Um, it was great. I mean, the the actual controller does very well using the little disc. And when we do catching up, I'll be talking about how I played on the television using the back bit cartridge, which I did get, and I got the Intellivision adapter for it. The so I was able bit. to throw all the Intellivision games on there and and play that. Um, but I will say I played it there for a day, and then after that, I used my Steam Deck or my Mister to play it, and it played fine on all of those. Um, I didn't say... I didn't think the original gave it any more advantage using the original controllers. Um, it's usually a pretty difficult controller. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah, the television does have a very difficult controller. That is true. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, what about sound? Do you remember the sound in this game? Man, now that yeah. you're saying that, I, I think don't. It's forgettable. <laughs> I, I think it's forgettable. I mean, there are sound effects in this game, um, and they're, they're definitely fine for the game. Um, I don't remember if there's music or not. That was the thing about Food Fight, by the way. We didn't talk about it. There's only one song through the whole game, except there is like a special uh, score attack stage if you... Um, not score attack stage, but like a celebration stage if you do a instant replay on that game. Do you, do you get the instant replay? I did, yeah. I got yeah. it a couple times. And that was cool. Basically, if you barely escape getting hit by, um, by one of the chefs or a couple of chefs and you somehow make it out alive you get an instant replay and I'll play your whole level again and play this really like happy celebration. It's definitely a canned, um, like public, uh, yeah. What do you call it? Public access song, public, uh, domain song. Yes. But, uh, anyways, so I, I thought the sound on this was just beeps and boops more or less kind of forgettable. Yep. Um, but colorful and unique and cool. And so I definitely give it points for that. Cool. Eric, what do you want to give this one out of one cup of flour? Out of one cup of flour, I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this a half a cup. Okay. I liked it. I I liked the game. Well, no, I'm going to give it what half cup and and three tablespoons. Oh wow! All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I I thought this was very unique. And for the Intellivision, I think it is one of the better games on Intellivision. Oh, there's great games on the Intellivision. Okay. Anyways. There are. There, 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 there are very good games on the Intellivision. I think this is one of the better games. All right. So to me, the frustrations in this game took a lot out of it. But I have to give... So for the game itself, mm-hmm. the gameplay enjoyment of the game, I would give it a cup. But I'm going to throw a teaspoon in there because it's so unique and the fact that it's a one-off and I want to own it, which isn't really fair because that's not how I rate games, but whatever, I'm doing it. So what are you giving it? A cup plus a teaspoon. But I thought this was just out of one cup of flour. Oh, I'm sorry. A half cup and a teaspoon. Okay. Okay. Half cup half and a cup teaspoon. And a teaspoon. <laughs> and a teaspoon? The other one yep. you gave a tablespoon. Oh, right? yeah. A tablespoon is much bigger than a teaspoon. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Which means okay. we have one last game. Yep, one last game, and that is on the Atari 2600. Let me pull up my notes here. Now, um, this is a game that I, I didn't know existed, to be honest with you. And that's why when you said fast food, I instantly just thought food fight in my mind and, and mixed the two up. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like this was also an arcade game mm-hmm. that became 
ported to a number of things if i'm if your if your statistics tell the same story actually it is not it was not never an, oh, an okay. arcade game okay so the developer on fast food so the game we're covering fast food from 1982 um the game was a de- the developer for this game was telesis um who made a few atari 2600 games if i remember right D- the designer was one gentleman don rough rough and ready oh. i think it's rough corn um it it was an exclusive atari 2600 exclusive Ooh. um 1982 in north america um and it is an action game uh, the yep. player controls a pair of disembodied lips, <laughs> which are similar, super creepy. Yeah, similar to chattery teeth. You yeah, know, the little toy that you play with the feet that would be. And it's got a name, Mighty Mouth. Various fast food items will fly by from left to right, and the mouth earns points by catching them. The the player must avoid eating purple pickles so it's okay to eat green pickles and then any other piece of food uh, See, that just, comes your way i just figured not eat- i figured it was a pickle and the purple one was an eggplant no it's all pickles all the okay. way down it's pickles all the way down why that's a weird choice why okay yep um because they ran out of data and they're like well let's just make one of the pickles a different color and call that the bad food after eating good six food. purple pickles, the screen is replaced by large text reading burp with an exclamation point, followed by closed, and then the game is over. Um, as the player acquires more points, the speed of the game increases. Um, and then the transitions between different speed levels are indicated by the text saying, you're getting fatter. <laughs> <laughs> that part was funny. Yeah, I, I did, did enjoy getting fatter every level. I did. Um, so let's say a couple of things about this game. It's an Atari 2600 game. So you kind of go into it. I mean, I, I know I'm probably just not going to make everyone happy here, but you go into it not expecting a lot. It's you expect, you expect a simple concept. Very simple concept, which isn't bad. There are a lot of great games built on simple concepts. Um, the thing that point jumped out at me when I was playing this game was that the things that flow from left to right they do it very smoothly some things are moving very fast some things are moving very slow um you when you first start this game it's one of those games that it doesn't seem very challenging at all you're just like oh okay you know it's like this endless runner kind of game where you're avoiding something and trying to eat the rest very 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 simple concept but i will say had humor in it it it's very smooth the graphics are very smooth um, and it does get very challenging where you think it wouldn't. You're like, okay, it's, how hard can it be to avoid these purple pickles? It does get pretty challenging where it's very hard to, um, sometimes those purple pickles are flying and you, you, they just kind of get in the way and, you know, it, it's definitely not the easiest game. I think you're really so. reaching for positive things to say. Or- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so you this, go is, ahead. this is another game with a completely back black background. Yep. There's almost nothing going on. There's a score at the top and a line, even though the line doesn't even need to be there. And like you said, you're just a pair of lips that can go up, down, left, and right all over the screen. I will give them credit that the pair of lips even turns, actually does turn left and right, depending on which way you're headed. But yeah, all the food just flies in from the left, straight across. And I think it's just the laziest, most boring game. And I think uh, 
your goal is to eat everything you can except for purple pickles. That's the entire game. And um, and I think this falls right into the same type of game as many of the others, where the first few levels are so slow and simple, it's boring, and then all of a sudden they go so fast, you're just kind of lucky if you miss pickles. And that's the game. Yep. So I mean, that, the, that is the, the game. The best I, thing about this game, and I have to give it credit, and I'll even give it some extra points, is that the the logo, the the cover art is awesome yeah the cover art is awesome <laughs> it's it's like this super 80s blue background with like pink neon letters saying fast food and all this fast food flowing at some sexy lady lips and it just looks super cool and super 80s and i'll, I'll give it credit for that okay i, I mean, i'm gonna say this <laughs> i think that if you set this up on the atari 2600 at like a little convention like uh like a like a boat fest, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you set this up in the corner and you, you played it as a pure high score game, whoever gets the high score wins a little trophy or whatever. I think this would be a great little game to just throw in a corner, just to pass some time and, and play this game and try to get the highest score on it. Um, I, 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 I do think this has, this game, it does have some merit to it. I mean, this game is playable. It is not a complete <laughs> loss because it is playable. It sets out to do something. It's very simple, but it does that one thing very well. I do think that, again, the challenge could ramp up more slowly, which would allow me to actually enjoy kind of that correct, in my opinion, correct challenge in the middle. Yeah. And uh, it would be higher at that point. But that being said, I'm going to have to give this a quarter cup of flour. <laughs> I'm going to give this game, you gave it a quarter cup. Yeah, I'm probably going to give it a quarter cup, dude. Not lying. Yep. I, th- I think I'll give it a quarter cup. I was surprised because I remember, I do remember seeing the art after I saw it and I'm like, oh, cool. That's this game. And then I played the game. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, but, no. <laughs> oh, no. I don't even, is that a like a, a foamy beer? What is that? There's a, there's a cola. There's I think it's like a root a, beer. A root beer, maybe? There's an ice cream cone. There's an ice cream cone. That There's a hamburger. Is. That's a soda. There's a chip. Yep. But, oh, it's purple, purple pickles. Oh, you just ate another one. <laughs> and there's a Dorito. That's a Dorito. I just, <laughs> the fact that it says you're getting fatter is like the saving grace of this game. Yeah. I just, it's hilarious. See, look at look how fast they are. Like, it just ramped up. Insane. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Eric, so I think we have our winner. I think so, yeah. Food fight. Food Fight is a is a fun, great game. Yeah, if you if if you're out there and you haven't played Food Fight, do yourself a favor, try to find it on some platform and play it. I I think it's fun. I I think it has just enough depth to be interesting and a great high score challenge game. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Eric, for the sake of this show, I will say that's an episode. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too. And for those who don't celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you give thanks for all the blessings in your life and uh, enjoy your late November with no holidays in it. (laughs) I get a week off. I'm excited. I don't get a week off. I'm taking a week off. Uh, Maybe I'll play play fast food the whole time. (laughs) Uh, But until then, Eric, please remember, it's It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. 
You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>